a duel between titans. My golden gun against your Walther PPK. Each of us with a 50-50 chance. Six bullets to your one. I only need one. Welcome back to Ranked. I'm Charles. I'm McCurdy. I'm Nathan. Oh, God. Man, there's only three of us, and we still had an <laughs> awkward pause. <laughs> the man with the golden gun makes a unique turn in the world of 007, bringing us into the personal world of James Bond himself, so far as his reputation as a spy within the shadow world of spycraft is concerned. After receiving a threat in the form of an assassin's bullet with his number on it, 007 is put on leave in order to seek out his greatest adversary yet. Not an evil villain hell-bent on taking over or destroying the world, but a fellow killer, Bond's equal but opposite, a man that doesn't fight for king and country, but has only loyalty to himself and to his wallet. And also has weird sexual kinks that Bond doesn't have because Bond's not a creep. McCurdy, what historical hey. knowledge do you have for us? Well, 1974's Man with the Golden Gun is Roger Moore's sophomore appearance in the Bond, James Bond franchise. The book Man with the Golden Gun was Ian Fleming's post-hominous novel. So right after he passed away, this book had come out and it was obviously on the bestseller list. Posthumous. Posthumous. <laughs> hey, George Laundry. Bush is talking. Nuclear. Mission Bush, accomplished. Bush, hey, Bushy's <laughs> talking right now. You need to shut your hole. The energy crisis is still with us. This film was written in, during the 1973 energy crisis. The simple history of that is the oil production in the United States pretty much had peaked by the end of the 60s. And basically the course of uh, the gas prices skyrocketed. This is also going on during there unrest. There was an OPEC the, embargo, right? Uh it was also, there was, there was um, unrest in the Middle East. I mean, yes, there's always unrest in the Middle East, but this was like, we had Iran. The this Iran. movie's timeless in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> you had the Iran uh, revolution, and uh, so gas production, is all, or oil production is also getting halted in the Middle East elsewhere, so, you know, everyone was freaking out. Gas prices skyrocketed. It was a whole thing in, in the early 70s. Also in this movie... And we had talked about the last time, you know, after the 60s, all the Bond films start to find, OK, what's what's good? What's fresh? What's new? What's in and puts those, you know, and reincorporates those into the films. Last time was black exploitation. This time we get martial arts films, i.e. Bruce Lee movies, uh, Fist of Fury, Enter the Dragon. That stuff is put into the mix. Let's talk about our villains. Patterson, several episodes back in our first episode, had spoiled that. Um, our big bad in this movie, Scaramanga, Scaramanga, Christopher Lee was actually step cousins with uh, author Ian Fleming. What I did learn is that he actually had played golf with Fleming not that long before his death. Which, considering the fact that, that you know, he was Naval Secret Service and was privy to all kinds of crazy stuff going yeah. on in, you know, World War II history. I mean, he was part of, like, Operation Paperclip and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, we just got banned. Um, we just got shadow banned by Spectre. Um, <laughs> it is, you know, I, can't, I can only speculate. Like, we talked about Ian Fleming dying because of the stress of these Bond movies. 
Yeah. He also was plugged into some stuff. You have to wonder if, like, an old villain in his life popped up and snuffed him out. But, you know, I, I got mean, no that's, proof there. That's some good, that's some good headcanon. That's some solid headcanon. <laughs> that's fact, some solid somebody, headcanon right somebody there. Somebody should write a posthumous book about Ian Fleming's uh, untimely demise. I see what you did there. Maybe maybe the biopic. There. Maybe like at some point we'll actually know, and the, the his biopic will be kick ass. I think I think there was a Fleming. That would biopic. be cool. Um, so and originally for Scaramanga, there was they were gonna uh, cast Jack uh, Palance. Uh, you guys might remember him from City Slickers. He was also in Batman, the first Batman eighty nine movie. Uh, Is he older? Pretty fella? big yeah. character actor of the time. Um, yeah. We have Maude Adams and Britt. Eklund were both British. They both played the prospective two main Bond girls in this film. Uh, Brick Eklund was described in one newspaper as astounding, an astonishingly stupid uh, blonde British agent in this film. We have a few returning characters in this movie, uh, which I love returning characters in Bond films because it also shows there's interconnectivity between the, each film. Uh, yeah. Besides the main three that we always see, Money Penny, Q, and M, this time we see... Sheriff J.W. Pepper returns because he was a popular character in the last one. Let's throw him in this movie. J.W. And then, of course, there's another character that you guys may recognize was the gangster in the beginning of this movie. He is supposed to be the same gangster that we saw in Diamonds Are Forever. You want to sit in the front, Mr. Franks? (laughs) Connecting Sean Connery and Roger Moore like this and then also i cannot if i can't if i do george bushism i cannot pronounce this dude's name hervier velichev's i probably butchered that he's french i don't know i don't speak Javier french Javier. Javier. Yeah. Javier there you go Bonjour, Monsieur Bond. I am he played knickknack he was french he was originally a painter turned actor he had actually drawn and made all these pictures for all the actors and actresses in this film did he make um, very small and, paintings? Uh, <laughs> but he was a horn dog for sure. Apparently, he had a lot Ooh. of fun in Bangkok. In the behind the scenes features, they make it. They just say, you know, he was up late, very late in Bangkok, and we all know that Bangkok is like a party town. Um, one night in Bangkok, and the world is your oyster, man. So he really made it his oyster. Um, I may be small. I may be small, but I never forget. But I am very big. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you guys, you guys should know he was in the television show Fantasy Island. That was that was his claim to fame prior to this movie, mm-hmm. which that kind of gives that movie kind of gives that vibe considering they're on uh, that you know a, a literal name. Fantasy his, Island. Yes. His little island, yeah. The location they filmed at is a very beautiful location, right? With all the islands and how they kind of like mushroom shaped. They even say that in the film. They're like mushroom shaped islands. Uh, No movie had been there before, right? Uh, But then because of this movie, that actually created a tourist attraction in the South China or South Asian Sea area. And ever since then, they always named like those islands like, oh, there's the James Bond Island based because of this movie. Um, When they were making the movie, though, they were in such a secluded area uh, away from civilization that they stayed at this hotel and, you know, like Christopher Lee didn't know this till years later, Guy Hamilton told him that like, dude, that hotel we stayed at used to be a brothel. Like it was one of the local brothels there. 
Um, so he's just kind of weirded me, out by that. Meanwhile, <laughs> didn't know the difference. <laughs> the Golden Gun itself, there were two versions of it made for the movie. You had the solid version that had, was able to like shoot like a cap or whatever, you know, it made that effect. And then there was another one that Christopher Lee had to like put together, right? It's a pen, a cig- cigarette case, a lighter, and I think cufflinks, right? Like those yeah. four things, you had to put it together. Well, he actually had to do it himself and had to do it like he wasn't looking because he had done it a hundred times. So he had to actually practice doing it. Like he gave it to the prop guy. The prop guy was able to do it in like mm. two seconds. And he's like, how did you do that? Yeah. It's like, well, I take it home at night and I practice it. So that's probably what you should do. So he had to it's practice by that far for a little bit. The coolest weapon we've come across. I, yeah, I, 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 I agree. And you yeah. can buy these online and I... I, I donate to the patreon we don't have so we can all buy <laughs> golden guns please <laughs> so charlie you and i have talked about this movie nance i know you're gonna have your opinions of this movie but charlie and i have had uh many discussions about this film this is our secret service episode you and i have generally not seen eye to eye on this for sure film. i yeah. think Charlie, did you write a poem i didn't write a poem I, don't, I forgot to write a poem i didn't write a poem i didn't write a poem yeah you have it very highly listed in your personal list. I have yes. this film listed a lot lower. As far as the fandom goes, this movie usually gets ducked toward the bottom. Um, and I, after watching it this time, I'm like, it's not the bottom, but I don't think it is as high as you put it. I think it's probably the most underrated Bond movie. I think it's completely underrated. Mm. And it's, it is another Guy Hamilton movie, which means it has a sense of humor. Ooh, yuck. Sounds very tempting, Miss... Uh... Chew me. Really? This one specifically, it rides that balance beam without falling off in a comedy or falling off in a completely serious... Like I said with um, Live and Let Die, I have a hard time taking that movie completely seriously because of the ending. The story elements are there, and like I said, it leaves you wanting more. Like, there was so much more to explore, and they just kind of fell back on chase scenes. Uh, You do kind of get the sense with this movie that... Yeah, while there are two chase scenes, they're not just Bond trying to get away, and they certainly don't have a chase scene that literally just cuts and it's over. Like, imagine he's on the boat, <laughs> and he's, he's running away from the bad guys, and we just cut, yeah. and he's walking into the hotel room, and you're like, wait, what, what happened? What happened? Yeah. You know, this movie is serious, but with a sense of humor, but that humor never completely undermines it, and Bond doesn't just talk in a bunch of lame puns this time around. He, yes, he has puns. Because Bond always has puns, but the way he speaks is is wittier. I'm now aiming precisely at your groin. Says, so speak or forever hold your peace. How will I recognize it? Tall, slim, and dark. Says my aunt. It's smarter, and it's not just lame, groan-worthy puns. Quite revealing. Yeah. They definitely reel it in a bit more for this one. Yeah. It's a fun and cool spy movie. And like I said, it manages to ride both those extremes of the goofy and the serious without completely falling off the balance beam onto goofy, you know, like Diamonds Are Forever. It doesn't have the usual Cold War story. Now we have this, it's just serious personal business between two equal but opposite professionals. And that's what's so unique about it. And that's what makes this kind of break out and be more interesting than like just the the same old same old because now we do live in this zany world like we said last time like live and let die really brings i mean diamonds are forever is just like jumping jumping the shark but with yeah. uh live and let die it became like 
we live in this zany world where anything can happen, like the super spy world where anything can happen. Well, it's like take less focus off of the Cold War and try to find something else that Bond can do. And that's what I feel like this movie also does. But I don't think this is where I think like you and I maybe differ. Like, I think I think we both agree that Scaramanga is great in this movie. I think Christopher yeah. Lee's performance is great in this movie. My name is Scaramanga. Francisco Scaramanga. I feel I know you. Although I never thought we should ever really meet. I think he's just the best bad guy we've come across yet. Yeah, I, I, th I, think, I think he's, I think I he's phenomenal. I think he's yeah. great. I agree with you. I think he's great. But I do think the plot of the movie, some of the scenes in the movie, don't really make the movie great for me. And some of the other things in it, and I think, I agree with you, I think Bond's better in this movie. But there's things in it that I'm just like... I think Roger Moore is, is so much better in this movie. I think, again, last time around, he was just like... Just, He's trying to he, figure it he out. Was, he was like a, yeah. a comedian. It was like he was stuck in his old role of like the funny yeah. man on TV. This movie, again, for the millionth time, as a Bond purist, Roger Moore is a fucking asshole in this movie, and I love it. He's an asshole to everybody, <laughs> and it makes sense because this time it's personal. There's no, I mean, they straight up in the beginning of the movie, they're like, you're going on leave. Like, we're taking you off your mission. Why, why, why am I being taken off my mission? Because this, this uh, uh, one of the top assassins in the world is, is, is trying to take you out. So you, yeah. your job is to go sort that business out because we can't be jeopardizing your current mission with like this happening. Let me double dutch in and say, you're talking about Bond being an asshole in this movie and you like that. And yeah. for me, it's not that he's an asshole that bothers me. Like, I think the last time I mentioned something about how Roger Moore, they kind of wrote him like Connery and it didn't really work out. And we don't really have really great examples in that movie. This movie has one of the two scenes that stick out to me because while you're like, oh, he's an asshole, he's awesome. I'm like, Connery never really was like this. And, that, and it bothers me. Specifically, the first scene he has with Maude Adams. Oh, you're hurting my arm. I'll break it unless you tell me where those bullets go. No, I can't. His first scene with Miss Anders kind of bothered me. It's not so much that he's pulling her arm, but it's more or less that that's kind of the first thing he goes to. At least if, at least if I'm remembering correctly, because I think you mean, Connery would have been a You mean the, you mean the woman charmer. pointing a gun at him? She had a gun she on him. She had a gun yeah. at him? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's something about that scene, though, that just seemed a little off, off to me, I guess. He does, like, it, what feels to me like left field, because, like, in that situation, I feel like Bond could charm a woman into not killing him. And he doesn't charm her. He grabs her yeah. arm. And you know what I mean? Like, I could see him being like, now, now. Like, why do we need to, you know, you know, point guns at people? Like, this is, you know, and, like, almost brushing it off because that's where I could see Bond going with it. And it just seems like But at the same odd. time, you could be sitting there being like, well, Bond just solved the problem with his dick again. Like, how do we, how do we save the world from Goldfinger? Just bang his girl, you know? Like, you could be sitting there being like, that's the easy way out, you know? He surprises her in the shower and she pulls the gun yeah. out on him. And then he disarms her. But he disarms her and then he's like, he's pretty mean to her for, for like the whole time. Where can I find him? I don't know. And it's like, I feel like Connery totally. at least would have been like at least charming about the whole thing, even if like someone was pointing a gun at him. What would it take for you to see things my way? Do you come here often? 
It's no good you trying to escape, Mr. Bond. There's something I'd like you to get off your chest. Put this down. I see why these packets carry a government warning. Give me that. Certainly can damage your health. Like, it works with Connery. There's something about Connery that he gets away with being mean. But, like, more to me, because I guess the movies that he's in are so much more humorous and so much more lighter in tone, mm. it seems a little off. It just, it seems slightly but that's off that's where I disagree, because this movie, as it is, without any of the other movies, including Live and Let Die, this movie, as a self-contained movie... I think he is closer to Bond. I think him being an asshole, again, and then you throw into the mix that he is, uh, this is a personal thing, right, for him. That's where I'm like, great. If only he could always be this way. I wish yeah. he was always this Bond. The fact that they go back to a more comedic Bond is like, whatever, that's fine. That's like a yeah. different issue. But for this movie as it stands, I don't see it as him trying to be Connery. I think he still has that charm. He still has his Roger Moore charm. Good afternoon. A water pistol. Mm -hmm. But he's an asshole to everybody. I'll say I didn't mind it, and I actually prefer his rendition of Bond in this movie to his previous, his yeah. first go I, at I, it. Bond I should the, be an asshole. The toning down of the punniness made sense turning up the aggression i mean he his life has been directly threatened and yeah. he's a super spy he's doing yeah. what he has to do and as charlie has mentioned in the past like sure he um is distracted by women at times but it's generally speaking the job comes first and that's how yeah. i kind of interpreted his first scene with miss anders is like he had to do what he had to do and yeah she had a gun pointed at him his life is in in debt and jeopardy, and uh, he's just trying to get information that he needs. You're improving. I don't want you to twist my arm again. I don't want to either. She's just like the key to what he needs, and he takes it. So he's an asshole to Lazar, he's an asshole to Miss Anders, he's an asshole to Goodnight, and he's absolutely an asshole to Knickknack. I've never killed a major before, but there can always be a first time. Almost, yeah. It's like one of my favorite moments in the movie when he does that. You. I'll kill you. Or you. You know, like, and, and he's like, <laughs> I'm going to beat the shit out of this midget, you know, because he, yeah. like, it's a midget who's tried to kill a, I'll kill you. He tries to kill him on, on several occasions. You remember how last week you were talking about how, uh, you know, uh, Kananga, you wish there was more with Kananga. You wish there was more with this. And I feel like that, I kind of feel the same way with this movie where I feel like there, there should have been more of a dual thing. And even when I was reading about the history, about, or you know, the research in this movie, it was like there was two scripts for this movie. Originally, it was Tom Mankiewicz's script. And then Richard Baybaum, who had written all the other movies prior to this, all the Connery films, comes back, does his draft of it. So it's a story between the two. It's basically he took both. And in the previous scripts, though, there was more of like this what I think we perceive in the movie, which is great, with Scaramanga and him, they're compared to each other. They're both assassins, essentially, you know, like even yeah. though he's a spy and all that stuff. There was more of that in these original scripts. And I'm curious what that would have been. But I do feel like this movie, uh, like one of the things that kind of 
dumbs the movie down for me. And it's not even the main thing, really, is the fact that like the energy crisis is a part of this movie so much that it really dates the movie more so than even the previous films do with like the space race and, and you only live twice and stuff like that. But this movie is not about that. This movie, is, let, let's be clear say, about that. I didn't get the, I didn't get the energy crisis impression. This movie is absolutely not about the energy crisis. The energy crisis is just a backdrop for this playing out of this drama between these two men. The energy crisis is still with us. It is indeed. And I can't jeopardize it or any mission by having Scaramanga hop up and put a bullet in you. If that was the case, then the movie would end with Scaramanga getting killed. But it, but does. it doesn't. But it, it does. The movie no, it ends. The movie opens with establishing Scaramanga's whole business with like his most dangerous game set up between him and Knickknack on his fantasy island. The movie mm-hmm. then ends with that. And then the energy crisis uh, Solex thing is just an excuse to have the whole place explode. But the, the climax of the movie is when Bond shoots him in the heart and we get that fantastic reaction. Of, that's, I will say, though, that I, I do wish that when they cut back to Bond, I really wish they would have done a first-person perspective, just like the turn and shoot. I wish they, mm-hmm. not, not looking through Bond's barrel or not mm-hmm. looking through a barrel yeah. or anything, but seeing Bond head on like with a gun pointed at him. But that is the climax of the movie. But the Solex stuff is so much a part of the plot of the movie that drives the whole thing. But that's film. not what the movie's that's... about. That's the MacGuffin. The movie is about these two men. It's not about the energy crisis. That's just background. Mm. Yeah, I, watching the movie, I didn't get a strong, like, this is about the energy crisis impression. I, I, obviously, they, they touch on it, and I, I looked it up later. Um, that's how, like, yeah. not strong of an, an impression I got from the movie that it was a about that i mean again they just kind of mention it like oh you could sell this to the the highest bidder or whatever this way the highest bidder can build hundreds of these stations and sell franchises for hundreds more charlie i get what you're saying it's just to me it's like it it's one of those things that just dates the movie in such a weird way because i'm but like that's we not know what it's as, about as, as, though dude it and, doesn't and, and like, matter like, the world is always in an energy crisis like this solex thing they're after today if this thing existed governments would be fighting each other for it like this is this isn't just like oh we had an energy crisis in the 70s and now that's gone we are always in a never-ending energy crisis and this thing if it happened today they would be killing each other over their solex i mean this stuff hasn't gone away what i'm trying to say though is that this is like the technology that they're using in this film is like that's not exactly how that works and like that's the thing that bothers me as more and more i watch this movie i'm like like we have solar panels now. Like we know how solar panels work. Uh, it's 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 readily available type of technology. And I and I do enjoy like the little subtle things where they said he one of the, somebody even says something to the effect of like, well, an oil sheik might even just try to bid this thing so it doesn't you know it doesn't yeah. come to fruition so they keep making money off of it. A monopoly on solar power. The oil shakes will pay you just to keep solar energy off the market. The thought had occurred to me. That's something yeah. I'm like, okay, that's that's cute. It's like a dumbed down version of the technology for like just red general audience to be like, oh, like solar power. Like, oh, so, this is so a now whole you thing. don't like the but movie because of movie. the specifics of the technology. It's not the only thing that bothers about me about the solar, movie, though, dude. You might as well be upset about space diamond lasers and other yeah, stuff. Like, we, I know we live again, in this I'm just fantastic like, there's all world. This extra crap that I'm like, it's just. I feel but again, like this but movie the movie isn't about that stuff. This movie I is agree, not about that at all. But it could have been less fantastical. 
for a plot like this. But what what is you're saying that the technology is fantastical? The technology stuff is fantastical. The car plane is fantastical. The and it does exist, but it just seems so silly to me. But like it's the same thing as a jetpack. The jetpack exists, and 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 like a car with wings on it does become an airplane. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. And no, it, it and the thing does exist. The thing about it for me is like when you watch the movie, it looks it's a goofy thing. It like it is a sight gag in itself. Versus like the jetpack, I can buy the uh, little Nelly, I can buy that. But then you see the sight gag of a car with wings on it, and you're like, okay, that's a little. It I don't works, take sure. it that way. I, I, what I, I don't take care, it as, but like what it, it, I take again, it as, it's those little things that kind of tick the movie down for me. But what I take the car plane as is is Bond being bested by his equal but opposite. He chases Scaramanga all the way into this building. He thinks he can just go in and take him out. And the guy literally pulls a Bond on him. Like normally, it would be Bond running away from bad guys. Going into that little hangar thing, mm -hmm. putting wings on Q branch style and flying out of there. I mean, Q even says that they have one, they're working on a car plane. Yeah, the only gadget Bond gets is a fake nipple. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's a very yeah. not gadget heavy movie. Um, but like normally, that's what normally Bond would be the one running away in the airplane car, and Scaramanga pulls a Bond on Bond himself. Again, showing that he's like, dude, like, you and I are, we're not so different, you and I. Like, they are equal but opposites. Remember how we were talking about how Red Grant, for, somehow, for some reason, he suddenly cares about money, where it was like he mm -hmm. was all about the mission, and then suddenly he sells out. Yeah. With this, this guy is, Scaramanga is all about is the about dollar the bills. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, and he's constantly talking about gold and money. The KGB recruited him there and trained him in Europe, where he became a, an overworked, underpaid assassin. You uh, live well, Scaramanga. As a million dollars a contract, I can afford to, Mr. Bond. You work for peanuts. A hearty well done from Her Majesty the Queen and a pittance of a pension. Apart from that, we are the same. Scaramanga is all about the dollar bills, and, he, and he's only loyal to himself and his wallet, and then you have Bond. So it's like everything in this movie I just see as an argument about the two of them being equal but opposites, mano y mano, throughout. And the, the movie is literally bookended with the funhouse duel and that's where it's like that's the movie is the the, the that bookend i mean the first duel ends with him with his eye on the prize don't you see you're the only man in the world who can kill him and what gives you that idea the way scaramanga speaks about you even has a likeness of you just think about that think about being scaramanga you're the best at what you do, and you're so bored that you have your little, literally, your little servant hiring people to try to kill you, most dangerous game style, right? And he always wins, like, he's beat everybody so far, and he's bored. He wants that top prize. And again, if you ask me, what have I said every episode? Every bad guy needs a reason to keep Bond alive because when they don't, like, live and let die, eventually the, it, the story just feels contrived because it's like, well, we put Bond in this situation and got out. Yeah. In this situation and got out. It's, it's cool and clever and creative when you, they have a reason to keep him alive until they don't and then they try to kill him. With this movie, it's the ultimate reason to keep Bond alive because he wants to have a fucking mano y mano, literally a take 20 paces, turn and shoot duel that ends in a fucking fun as hell fun house. 
that's why I love this movie. It's not about the fucking energy crisis. It's about these two guys. <laughs> Is I'm like, I like, I get all that. That's great. But again, the movie just doesn't. Let's talk about the prologue, though. Let's talk about the prologue. I think it's the coolest prologue we've had so far. It's all about introducing Scaramanga. It opens up on their beach. The gangster shows up and it establishes our whole funhouse business and our whole most dangerous yep. game thing. And how, you know, like him and Knickknack have this hilarious relationship where like it's understood that like Knickknack is loyal to him. But then it's like he is he's really trying to push Scaramanga like he's he's actively yeah. trying to kill him. I vote, Mr. Scaramanga. You've done it again. This one was the best, Nespa. Not bad. Not bad at all. But you'd have to do better than that if you want to come into my money. I get you yet. And I'll enjoy every see you leave me. You'll be the death of me yet, Nick I think this prologue is so unique where, I mean, even Goldfinger had a prologue that had nothing to do with the story. I mean, which I consider yeah. just a wasted prologue. Like, it's cool to see Bond in action, but... But but we established, hold on, but we did establish so that it's like one of the first times that that became a trope in the franchise. Like, it Well, the wasn't... first prologue ever was in From Russia With Love. Yeah, and then it was it introduces Red Grant, and it's actually very... I think that one was really long, isn't it? It's exactly a minute, 52 seconds, according to his boss. Remember, he's like... Exactly one minute, 52 seconds. That's excellent. Well, that one and this one are the only two without Bond. Let's just go through them real quick. So the, the, the Dr. No doesn't have one. It does the turn and shoot, and then it goes right into the, into the, 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 three the opening lines, credits. So. Yeah. yeah. So there's no prologue. Uh, no. From Russia With Love has the, the fake Bond Introduction hunt. to Red Grant, but Bond is in it. Like, we think it's Bond, but it's not Bond. It's a, it's, yeah, it's a fake Bond. And then Goldfinger, yeah, he comes out of the water... He blows the thing up and then he goes to bang the chick and she betrays him yeah. in the shocking. Yeah. And then Thunderball has the uh, guy getting killed. Killing Jack Bouvard to avenge some buddies and then taken off in the jetpack. You Only Live Twice was Bond getting killed. Honor Majesty is about like introducing uh, George Lazenby and Tracy Bond on the beach. Yeah. This never happened to the other fella. And then we had Diamonds Are Forever is Bond going after Blofeld and the plastic surgery and all yep. that, and then we had... Uh, Live and Let Die is the death of all the MI6 compatriots. This one comes out of nowhere, and it's like, where the hell are we? What's going on? And it, I think it just <laughs> beautifully sets up Scaramanga. And then, and then you even bring Bond into it with his, mm -hmm. the likeness of Bond that he shoots the fingers off, which then directly ties into his death, which we'll, we'll get to later. This movie's like, hey, we need to kill Bond via Bruce Lee movie. Yeah. This yeah. is what this movie does, and this is one of the dumbest parts of this movie. And I only say that not because the, the action of it or the that stuff is, isn't cool. Like I'm like, cool. Yeah. Like I've, I like Enter the Dragon. I like a lot of those Bruce Lee movies. They're great. But it's almost like the movie puts the handbrake on it, and it's like, wait, I don't... Well, we got to come up with a reason why not to kill Bond. Oh, um, he, we're going to send him to this place where we have uh, kung fu fighters to kill... Barnes. I'm like, really? Like, that's how you're going to kill him? Like, the other guys were like, we're going to send him to an alligator farm and he's going to get eaten by, we're going to leave him on an island. He's going to get eaten by alligators. Which I think is, I think that's great. I think the farm is, is great also because the farm had their, their uh, heroin production. 
It's the same thing though, right? Like you see, it's the same exact concept. Like literally take him to the farm is the same thing as take Mr. Bond to school. Take him to the farm. Take Mr. Bond to school. At that point, I'm just like, come on guys. Like you, you had, you had knickknack with the, the trident and he could kill him. And I was like, come but on. But that makes sense. To say don't kill him, you're literally in my home, makes sense. Stop it. Not here. This is my home. Fine. Take him elsewhere. Fine. But take him, don't take yeah. him to a dojo where he can he can easily escape or that like his his one ally at this place is easily like, are you all right? How did you find me? High Fat owns this place. High Fat owns this place. Like I knew this place existed. That's how we ended up here. And then it just so happens that my my two, uh, what was it? His nieces, right? Nieces. His the nieces, nieces come yeah. out and yeah, kick yeah. the whole fucking dojo's ass. And you're yeah. like, this is cool. Wait, are you, are you saying that, just like, are you saying, how dare you say that women can't, you're just saying that because women <laughs> kicking a man's ass. How, bah, bah. You're a little more emotional I, about my, the fact that a woman and a man are fighting and she beats him. Her character she wasn't is being a really fucking street smart. She could have done something smart Use her brain to kill him. You just not don't think literally that women throw could him kick into a, a guy's wall. ass. She literally you do not throws literally him. Thinks she, that a guy, a woman could kick a guy's ass. I can buy the school. I don't care that they base this on Bruce Lee movies. That doesn't bother me. It's just the way in which it happens. Scaramanga says later, like you clearly underestimated Bond. What do they teach in that school? Ballet dancing. You know, you should have Scott evilled him. You should have just shot him in the face. But even Scaramanga, like you get the sense that Scaramanga wanted Bond to live. If Bond would have died, yeah. he would have been like, oh, well then Bond's a, 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 a bitch, like, and he's not number one anymore, and like, I wouldn't want to face him anyway, but like, you, you can tell that he's like, gratified that Bond got away, and he knew that Bond would. He's like, Bond's gonna kick your ass, high fat, you're, you're a fucking idiot. But, they show right away, if you're, if you're really scrutinizing the school, they show right away that these motherfuckers mean business. They literally have two guys come out and have a sword fight to the death. You, I mean, it's, it's like, Maybe the guy pulls through, but it, the guy literally cut his guts out, right? So yeah. then it's quite clear in that moment that Bond is going to be their punching bag. And like, I do, I almost wish that like, like nowadays with like a grittier Daniel Craig movie, they would have beat the shit out of him until he was like bleeding and all that. And then maybe he would have been rescued. Um, but we're still living in our like super spy world where like, we're not in Daniel Craig covered in no, blood but world it, yet. Yeah, it doesn't, to me, it's just like, it could have been, it could have been something more. And that scene but just doesn't Bond, work. You'd get something from that scene. I do love the moment where the guy, the guy's like doing his routine and then, and then it's like, you're Bond, you're going to face off against this guy. And the guy bows and Bond bows, but then B Bond just kicks him in the face. And that's Bond being like, I don't abide by your rules and I'm going to do whatever it takes to win, which at the end of the movie, that's what Bond does. Bond gets off the beaten track in the fun house and starts crawling around behind the scenes to flip the script on Scaramanga. I see it as the exact same thing. Like, you think I'm going to do this. You think I'm going to abide, abide by this but I'm gonna f you up taking advantage of anything. I, if I can find the higher ground in any way, I'm gonna find it. So he bests that one guy, then they bring out Chula, Chula. And Chula looks just like Bruce Lee. He's clearly their Bruce Lee. He yeah. comes out, they have a fight. It's honestly kind of a weak fight. I, I chalked it up to like this, again, this isn't Daniel Craig. This is like Roger Moore, who's like 65 at this point, And he's kind of, he's kind of <laughs> slow. But I mean, at one point it straight up looks like Chula is about to give him a coup de gras. And then he lets 
Bond get up and Bond just kicks him and you're like, wait, what? You know, like, so there are, there certainly are some missteps, but the misstep for me is when not, not that hip shows up with the nieces. Like that's like, whatever, like they know that Bond's missing. You know, he came back to get Bond at high fats. Bond didn't show up. You can, you can put two and two together that he would then go looking for Bond. Uh, yeah. It's coincidental. It's move. It's movie co- coincidence that he happens to pull up just as Bond swan dives out the window. Whatever. The misstep for me though is when they're running away across the bridge and they get in the car and Bond slams the door and and you know Hip <laughs> assumes that he got in and that's fine. I mean, people do that to me all the time. They assume I've gotten in the car and they take off, but they usually stop and let me get in. Hip just keeps driving and it's just an excuse <laughs> to have Bond run past and jump in the boat and have a boat chase scene just like we had in the last movie. That's yeah. the misstep for me. But all the stuff up to that, I'm, I'm fine with. For me, the movie is super strong up until the whole um, Bond gets captured by high fat, thrown into the uh, karate school, and then the whole chase scene where we see J.W. Pepper again. That's like literally in the middle of the movie. Too. I think that's like the middle half that of the movie. It just kind of goes like this. It's just like, uh, it's like shoehorned in. Like we need a, a bunch of action right here. Okay, yeah. wait, here's the thing though. Here's the thing, Nance. You didn't like JW last time, right? You said that yep. was like Diamonds Are Forever. You didn't want McCurdy. You and I enjoy him. He's He is yeah. definitively Goofy Bond. Like JW oh, yeah, no, Peppa yeah, totally. would not exist in today's Bond, right? No. When Bond gets goofy again, as it inevitably will, can I, uh, can I get a vodka martini shake? Oh, you know what? No. Can I get a vodka and Red Bull pint glass, please? Thank you. <laughs> no. They might bring back a character like this, but, but JW worked for you last time. Mm-hmm. Why is this JW different? It just feels like, it just feels very out of place. Like the last movie, like really, really worked with what they were going for. Because that was, like, that was okay. JW in his, in his homestead. That was him in his in homestead, but, it, but but I'm looking at it from like the analytical, like let's analyze the film, like what are the themes, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Last movie, it really works because we have black black guy versus white guy, right? So how do we make it? You know, again, like they even said, like why? How do we? How do we? We know that the white guy is going to win, so how do we kind of just direct the audience? You know, we'll put a dude that yeah. we can make fun of in the movie, and you and I enjoy the hell out of that guy. I just don't remember. I mean, that's again, though, that's that's superfluous. That's like like if you're just watching the movie, you don't gather that you have to. That's outside knowledge bleeding in. My whole take on J.W. this time around is it would have been one thing had Bond just gotten into that car and J.W. was just sitting there. You'd be like, what the f***? But they at least set him up up. that he's there on vacation. Now, you can say that's coincidence. But again, we live in this crazy world. My honest take on J.W. this time around is I think he's more fun because now that they've switched him to an ally, mm-hmm. he kind of becomes like our like meta audience. What the hell is going on? I, I argued before that like with, with Diamonds Are Forever, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Everybody in the world suddenly knows who James Bond is. James Bond and, is, and yeah. And it was it, yeah. like technically Tiffany Case was part of an evil organization or like part of a criminal organization. But the way they revealed it was with like a James Bond playboy thing. And it's like, you just killed James Bond. Like it's clearly meant to be meta and like self-referential. Yeah. Like I used to make this case about zombie movies. Like you have zombie movies where people know what zombies are. And then you have zombie movies slash stories where people don't know what zombies are. 
So when 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 living dead come about, they're like, oh, they don't say, look, a zombie. They say this dead body came back to life. You know, there's a difference. Diegetic means within the universe of the story, within the universe of the movie. Yeah. Non-diegetic is outside of that. The most uh, generally used case of this is diegetic and non-diegetic sound. So like diegetic sound is like any sound that the characters can hear within that film universe, that sound that they can hear. S movie scores or whatever that the audience hears, that's non-diegetic. That's outside of the realm of the story. In Diamonds Are Forever, Bond's reputation is somewhat non-diegetic. You just killed James Bond. Is that who it was? It's like, oh, the audience knows who Bond is because through pop culture, uh, now everybody in the world knows yeah. who Bond is, and that is now bled into Bond's story. Whereas with like Doctor No and literally every other movie, um, it's the agents and the organizations that know. Only all people who should know who he is know who he is. The man the British will almost certainly use on a mission of this sort would be their agent, James Bond. With this, Scaramanga knows who Bond is because he should, yeah. because they're 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 um. They're peers. We have so much in common, Mr. Bond. We have so much to discuss, and we will never have this opportunity again. The weapons manufacturer knows who Bond is, because he should, because he lives in that shadow world. An unexpected honor, Mr. Bond. Your reputation precedes you. All of these mm -hmm. people know who Bond is because they should. J.W. Peppa knows who he is because he had a previous run-in. Now I know you. Oh, no. You're that secret agent. Secret agent? That English secret agent from England. We don't yeah, have a scene yeah. where, where like some tourist recognizes Bond. Like, aren't you? I saw you on the Today Show. Like, that doesn't exist. Yeah. Everybody who knows Bond should. So he kind of becomes like our meta audience where, where he happens to be in the car, which is, it's a fun moment where Bond just peels out and he's like, what the hell is going on? And then he puts two and two together and he's like, you're chasing somebody. You're chasing somebody. We have this time, boy. Yeah. It's a fun <laughs> yeah. callback to the last movie. He is what makes that chase fun, just like he's what made the chase in the last movie fun. So again, my question to you is, why does he not work in this movie if you loved him so much in the last movie? I think I do like the conflict between the two in the last one. Like, I like the idea of this guy Somebody who is a country bumpkin, essentially, versus a yeah. suave British agent. And they're at each other. Like, they're adversaries, sort of. Like, he does like Bond doesn't know that they're adversaries, right? Like, I think that yeah. you have that, that chase has dual things going on, right? Like, you got Bond. Bond is in his whole world. He's dealing with Penanga's on people. He's on the run. Yeah. You're watching it. Like the audience is watching it at the same time. There's this other story also going on that is interconnected with it with JW and he has yeah. a lot of great lines in it. And I and like that's the other thing is just I think and it's not that I don't like JW in this movie. I don't like him as much. You know what I mean? Remember Mrs. Bell from the last movie who just was the woman who happened to be in the airplane when he jumped in. Yeah. JW is Mrs. Bell in this movie where he's sitting in the car. He's like, how about a demonstration, That's, boy? Yeah. And Bond gets in. So I assume the script originally just had a Mrs. Bell, just a random person. But instead, they brought back J.W. And then you have that moment where J.W. is like, he's like, wait a second. Like, he's putting two and two together. The audience is putting two and two that he's putting two and two together. I think that is just heightening the material. Now, if they like, 
if he had if he had one more minute in the movie, it would probably be too much. But you have the too scene much, that yeah. sets him up, and then you have the scene that pays it off, and um, uh, and and he still throws out some fun racist stuff, and that's always nice. It's yeah, I, it's personally for me, I like the first first movie a little bit more as far as his stuff. Like I like the Sergeant yeah, Pepper stuff I'm a on little the other bit more in the, the last spectrum, one, I suppose. Like obviously, I you, he, you just he rubbed me all. the wrong way last episode. But in this one, I actually disliked him less. I borderline, I think I maybe even liked him. When I first no. saw him, I was like, oh, no. And then yep. we get the fun chase yeah. scene, and th- that was all fun. Although they went a step too far with the whole car jump with the slide whistle let me, thing. Let me, yeah, let me point that out. <laughs> so that is one thing about this movie that people hate about this movie. You're not thinking that. I sure am, boy. Never heard of evil can evil. That is something that even the editor, everybody who's made this movie has commented multiple times and saying like, we really wish we never did the slide whistle. Like that kind of really (laughs) undercut the stunt. Like it's a really cool, like don't get me wrong. That is a really cool, complicated stunt. I've been on second unit shoots. I've seen some really cool stuff. That in itself is a really cool thing in the movie. It's, It's a weird, it's a funny, goofy setup that you're like, okay, the bridges are so like, just so happen to be lined in a certain way. But still, that aside, it's one of the coolest stunts in the movie, for sure. It's like Bond has to get to the other side of the river. How are we going to do it? And it's the, the, they had fun of it. The slide it, whistle, the slide whistle is just a makes goof. it goofy in a cartoon. Right now, I'm going to recut it, and I'm going to recut it with ba ba ba. What it f-ing should have been in the first place, the Bond theme. Yeah. Silence as he's going over, and then would have been yeah. so that's that's what they would do today and everybody would be yeah. everybody in the in the editing room would be like yeah that's better and then some intern would be like how about a how about a, a goofy ass slide whistle and everybody would be like you're fired get the fuck out of here you're done yeah. and they would have just put in the bond theme and i'm yeah. and i'm right now i'm cutting it in boom There you go there's a fan edit out there now that has the way it should have been so so on that note though let me go through my list of goofs Th- these are all my goofs so i already covered yeah. the whole driving away from bond at the school which by the way that's another missed opportunity i kind of wish uh when when the first time that they were driving the nieces and he's like oh mm-hmm. I, I gotta drop the nieces off um maybe it's assumed that they're going to school because they're wearing uniforms right but yeah. i kind of wish he would have clarified that i wish hip would have been like i gotta drop the girls off at school and then, and then later, he's like, "I was, was dropping off though, at karate right? yeah, that's the school." Thing that's jarring it is about at night, that. Is that he so, drops down at night, and then the next time but, you but see then him, change it's that daytime. too. It should have been day. I'll drop the girls. Come back here and hang around. <laughs> if it was me, I would have. He would have said, "I'm dropping them off at school." And and who? Maybe maybe it's it karate. I say night, get rid of the nieces and just have Hip be good at kung fu or something. Forgot to tell you, <laughs> their father runs the karate school. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. I mean, the, the whole, the, the, obviously, the whole thing there is like Bond has that moment where he's like, I'll protect you girls. And then the girls are like, mm. off, dude, like we got it. But <laughs> I think the score is good, but obviously the music is not. I mean, like the man with the golden gun is just like not like who cares? It's songs are never going to determine. Dying. Yeah, like, exactly. Like the, the, what we have here is a situation where whenever they have a hit song, the follow-up yeah. is usually not as good, and everybody's like, that song's awful, and it's like, this song, I, maybe you could argue it works for this movie, because it's very on point, 
The lyrics are all about the man with the golden gun. It makes for a really good Chinese theme. Like, they took this weird rock. Like, I wish they would have just done, like, Chinese-themed, like, like Chinese-style for the whole song. Instead, they made it, like, this weird 70s rock thing. And it, and it like, it's not as good. But the, but the score, based on that that theme, is is fine, you know? I've been humming that all day. I've been humming that theme all day. Like it's been yeah. stuck in my head. It's like, but the song as sung by Lulu is like, eh, like it's the lyrics work. It's it, but yeah, it's no live and let die. It doesn't feel like it has some of that orchestral stuff. Like if Scott was here, yeah. we could talk about it that a little more. But it it definitely just feels slightly out of place. Like it's almost yeah. like they were trying to be like what do we follow live and let die with the music as far as the orchestra goes? And then they're like, well, we have John Barry back. And then they were trying to like try to figure something out and it works with the movie and like yeah. this Kung Fu thing. And it Paul, doesn't, can we just get you for like a day, Paul, can you come exactly. in and like, it doesn't, it doesn't redo it's this song. It's good. It's just not as good. It's in, it, it's, it's, it's fine. Like I don't hate it. Absolutely. I don't like, it's not like, Oh, I hate this one. Um, but well, it's okay, fine. so it opens, it opens, and it's like, eh, whatever. And then it closes yeah. too, and the closing song is. Good night, good night. Sleep well, my dear. No need to fear. James Bond is here. Good night, good night. You know, and you're like, what? I do like though that James Bond is here. Like, have no fear, James Bond is here. I do kind of like that. Thematically, it fits in the movie so far as it's like Bond's reputation is what's at stake. So it's like yeah. directly calling him out in the song kind of works for me. But overall, like just the music at the beginning and the end doesn't work, but the score overall works. So I count that as a goof that the music is whatever. Um, the driving away from Bond at the school. Uh, Bond would totally have noticed the fuel line. I do love the scene with that. For you, mister, 20 baht. I'll tell you what, Sonny, I'll give you 20,000 baht if you can make this heap go any faster. 20,000 baht. I'm afraid I have to owe you. Bloody tourists. Bond would totally have turned that fuel line on, but like, whatever, whatever, whatever. I, I just wanted to point out, like, that is Roger Morris was like, least favorite thing in his movies was throwing that kid in the water apparently really because uh, even even more than torturing Maud adams i don't know if she's double jointed but he twists the shit out of her arm yeah. but like why yeah. why is it a bad thing throwing that kid in he knew the water is was really unclean and he was like he had to throw this kid in the water and he like hated it like he just every time uh. it, that scene made him cringe because of that and it's I always think been pointed out for like UNICEF or something. Yeah, like he's, too, he's like so. Roger Moore. The person is definitely it's not just a bad Bond. look. Maybe yeah. he's like, yeah, this yeah. is I'm really not terrible. James We're Bond. Throwing, I'm Roger Moore. <laughs> We're throwing this kid in the water who, you know, is is like getting his one shot and being a movie probably ever. Uh, yeah. And is very lucky and fortunate to do that. And he's throwing this kid who probably doesn't have a lot of money to begin with. Maybe. I don't know. Dude, I'm, if I'm I was that here. kid, I would not. I would have been like, dude, hit me as hard as you can. Like, yeah. You know? But he, he he really didn't like that. But oh, but you're a poor indigenous child. <laughs> no, he's a kick-ass kid. Pretty lady, hundred baht. No, no. Eighty baht. Sixty baht. The kid jumped off his own boat and swam over there. Like the kid is cool. 
He's literally a river rat. Like he's a badass. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. I honestly wish I would have liked the kid to come back. Even, even like when, when JW's wife is like, oh, I want one of those elephants. Like that if the been kid could have been, been there, it'd be like, like 200 baht. And she's like, 200 baht, that's a steal. Like that would have been a fun way to cap off that kid and, and have the yeah. kid like, or, or like him saying, because doesn't he says like you're a very handsome man, like this yeah, this yeah. many instead, you know, like well, he's like, been pretty, like lady, that. pretty lady, pretty lady, yeah. you're a very pretty bot. lady, eighty bot, uh, sixty bot. bot, forty bot, twenty yeah. bot. Like that kid could have used one more scene, and then the sumo butt. The sumo butt is my final goof. Like those are my, I have four goofs, and the sumo Why does butt. Why go straight for the butt cheeks? Nans, can you can you call your mom and let us know about sumo wrestling? Like, if you if you does your mom happen to know that if you grab a sumo wrestler's diaper and twist it, does it hurt? If it hurts his nuts, then then it's brilliant. If it doesn't, then I'm it's gonna, stupid. That was I'm what I guess got. No, because when they in actual sumo wrestling, I, I'm not an expert or anything, but I swear that's like part of the main thing they do is like grab each other's. I'm gonna call them diapers. I'm sure that's not. Do what they grab them? They're called. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they grab onto those things, and like that's what they use to like throw to each throw other. them off. You the would assume that stuff, it right? was a rule that you couldn't touch it, but I unfortunately I don't know a f-ing thing about sumo wrestling. So like, if some sumo guy was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah," like never touch another man's diaper, like that hurts your balls, bro, <laughs> then I'd be like, "Oh, good job, Bond." Yeah. But otherwise, that's goofy, right? That's like yeah. you know. But and I put that like it, those are the four goofs. That's it. That's all I have for goofs. Like everything else, I think I think Roger Moore. Stepped it up for this. It's personal. Scaramanga has a fitting death. I think a, a giant fart explosion is not fitting, right? Scaramanga died like straight up dual style. Here's my list of setups and payoffs. Um, and let me know what you think about them. They may or may not be in order. Um, so we get a little touch of Scaramanga being cold to Miss Anders in the opening. Um, mm-hmm. setting up her betrayal or that there's trouble in paradise, like l- literal paradise, which she at one point does kind of indicate that he has sexual problems. Like he only has sex with her before a kill, which is interesting because it's like, again, if him and if Bond and Scaramanga are like equal but opposites, Bond yeah. is always ready to go, right? The guy is, whether it's for king and country or for himself, he's always ready to go. Whereas like Scaramanga, even though, like having a third nipple, you're supposed to be like uh, uh, have sexual says, prowess. Like, there are cults where it is considered a sign of invulnerability and great sexual prowess. But he doesn't. He's more into killing than he is into sex. So Miss Anders is like, he's a weirdo, and like he. He likes to rub his gun on me and stuff. Like, he's a weirdo. Like, I want a real man. I want James Bond. And that's, like, another reason why Scaramanga would be a little a little insecure and need to defeat Bond. Because it's like, Bond doesn't need the blue pill. Like, Bond's always ready to go. Or Scaramanga's, like, the guy's kind of f***ed up. High fat sets up the fact that, like, he has this mausoleum he wants to be buried in. And, like, Bond isn't going to kill me. But then it turns out Scaramanga betrays him and says, yeah. put him in, in his own mausoleum. The half sunken ship in the harbor is set up as like just like it's just like some superfluous thing. Like he's on a tour and they're like, oh, look, there's a boat that sank a while back. And then later he escapes onto it. Yeah, that's a course of a real ship. I also want to add that they start having this trope of having uh, MI6 field MI6 uh, operations offices and, in yeah. these other places. And they're like always everywhere. very bizarre. Like we have the submarine and, and you only live twice this time we have 
on this giant boat and all of the walls are slightly slanted because the yeah, whole like ship that. is slanted. That was a cool. It was kind of yeah. it was kind of an interesting cool creative take on that. Yeah, it's like where, where, like where would you hide your secret operations? You know, and, like in the movie, it, was, it even says it was like this was a ship that crashed in seventy one. We just haven't done under mysterious circumstances. There. Yeah, and it's yeah. just been sitting there, and now it's like it's there, and then they used it for the film. And it was actually yeah. one of the first things they shot in this movie. They filmed that sequence mm. with a skeleton crew, with like a a, a a James Bond double of him, you know, jumping off the boat and getting on. Yeah, getting yeah. off that oh. boat. So that's that's set up and paid off. Bond thinking that he is the target for uh, he's he's thinking he's Scaramanga's target. That sets up that moment where he's walking into the bottoms up and you're like Scaramanga's about to shoot him like he's got him zero. There's no way he can miss. And then, oh, wait, no, he was not Scaramanga's target uh, because, you know, it, it turns out later that. Uh, Miss Anders is the one who sent the bullet. So like Scaramanga doesn't even know what's up. He's just doing his mission. And so we think he's going to kill Bond. He kills the energy expert instead. Assembling the golden gun out of separate parts. That's set up when he kills High Fat so that later in the movie when he faces Bond. But then, of course, the English don't consider it sporting to kill in cold blood, do they? And Bond's like, don't count on it. Like, I'm just going to shoot you, bitch. And he just pulls out the golden gun, which he had been calmly assembling there right in front of Bond. The third nipple is set up in the very beginning, you know, on the beach. A third nipple, sir. And then Bond draws it for Q. Rare it up at seven. And then he wears it to pretend to be Scaramanga, which is fun. Um, you think that he's getting the best of high fat, and then it turns out that high fat was onto him the whole time. Bond walks past the statues of the sumo wrestlers, and then later he walks past the sumo wrestlers, and, and then they turn out to be real, you know? Just like a fun little um, uh, switch on Bond. Scaramanga has a Chinese junk that he travels around with, so when that's there at the end of the movie so they can escape, that's been pre-established. And then the biggest setup and payoff of all is the showdown at the beginning of the movie, and then that's bookended with the end of the movie. Even the little micro setup and payoff of he shoots off statue Bond's fingers, so then at the end you see his hand and you're like, wait a second, wait, wait, it's got fingers again. Wait, that's Bond. And then just when you realize that, that's when he turns and he just has that second on Scaramanga. That's Scaramanga's ego. That's like that's him being that guy at the school who bowed all the way, assuming that Bond was going to bow too. He he mm-hmm. took for granted this thing that's always been there and Bond mm-hmm. took advantage of that to f- him up. And that's all communicated in that look that he that Scaramanga's just like, "Oh my god." Like in that moment, you can it's almost like I would have loved if they would have tilted down and Scaramanga had a big old boner. You know, he has trouble getting it up, but Bond right in that, like Bond, who he kind of has a man crush on, he's like, but you're so cool. You know, it's just, oh, like it, it just gets erect just as he lands on his face, you know? And on that note, maybe Scaramanga lost the fight because what does he always do before a fight? He he bangs Miss Anders, but he killed Miss Anders. So unless he's fucking knickknack, he didn't have anybody to have sex with before his throwdown. So like even that's a setup and payoff where it's like it's like he was so hopped up with the jism in his brain that Bond just you know he was able to get him. Yeah. Oh, so two two things that based off what you're saying though, this is more a discussion. The first one. That I didn't think about, but I, I thought like the whole thing where you're saying with the shot the fingers, I never really thought about that. But I also think it's funny is that, you know, he shoots the fingers off the guy's thing. And then later in the movie, we find a guy has to build a gun. A custom built model for a client who recently lost two fingers. Please. 
I don't know, that kind of ties into that a little bit. That's kind of interesting. I didn't think about that. Oh, yeah, that's, um, yeah, did this yeah, mannequin yeah. have a real and loaded gun? Well, honestly, I wouldn't put it past Scaramanga to have the statue actually be that authentic as to have an actual loaded gun. But as far as Bond is concerned, it's kind of implied that the last thing he does is go down and retrieve his gun before going back up and taking the place of the statue. I think you've made a lot of great points, Charlie, about defending this movie for not being the bottom of the barrel. And I don't think it's the bottom I, of the barrel I think either. this movie is far from the bottom, if you can't tell already. I, I think, think it's somewhere in the middle. far from the bottom. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Um, because there's another setup and payoff that I think is that we need to discuss. And that is the setup and payoff of, of Miss Goodnight. It's, it's basically, and this is the thing I've noticed with their character, is the movie doesn't really give that character, like they just kind of make the character obnoxiously annoying. And like other movies where the math is sound, when I say the math, uh, things that you're talking about, like the setups and payoff, like that makes sense. That, as, as Patterson would say, that tracks, right? Just because something tracks doesn't always mean it's going to work for audiences. Miss Goodnight for me is the thing that like makes this movie not as good as it probably could have been. But why? Because she's not a strong, independent woman who's a genius? It's not that. It's not that. It's more of just the obnoxiousness of the character in herself. Like, the first time we meet her, again, Miss Sanders is leaving, and you're like, okay, Bond's gonna chase after Miss Sanders. He's gonna go after yeah. Miss Sanders. But this dimwit drives right inside, sees Bond, pulls up, and is like, Bond, I'm here. Yeah. I'm coming to pick you up. And you're like, and Bond's just like, ugh. I, I'm trying to follow a gold Rolls Royce, and the then, whole time- Then he's an asshole to her, right? You're a great hub, good knight. Now, get onto the license bureau and trace that car. AU603, a green rose. A green rose? A green Rolls Royce. There can't be that many in Hong Kong. <laughs> Courtesy cars. All green Rolls Royces belong to the Peninsula Hotel. Because he's an asshole to he, everybody. So right away he's like, good night. He's a, I, I you're don't care an if he's an asshole well, no, 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 no. Or not, What like I'm saying though, good what I'm saying is. story arc is just being in the way and always being a nuisance to the but operation. But then she pulls through. Good night always pulls through. So again, you just said that good night uh, drives in front of Bond and interrupts him. And then Bond is like, good night, you're a, you're a useless twit, you asshole. And then she's like, hey, Bond, I know exactly where she went. It's a green Rolls Royce. Green Rolls she Royce went is right to this hotel. hotel. Yeah, blah, blah, I know. Yeah. So she know. immediately pulls through. I know. Every time Goodnight messes up, she ends up pulling through. And like Bond even says at one point, I'll take care of the maintenance man. I already did. I laid him out cold. You did? Yes. There's more to you than meets the eye, Goodnight. You're more than meets the eye. Like even when he's like, hey, Goodnight, I came to rescue you from this guy who was like clearly threatening to you like the, the whole thing is like if bond gets killed goodnight's gonna get by this guy like that's all communicated in their yeah. looks and she takes advantage of that guy who who like underestimates her and she literally just straight up murders him she's a part of the operation and that whole scene is like just highlighting like she's a dimwit she's a dimwit because but it's like not, everything is she like, always pulls like through. Here, take the solex okay all right, we're getting the thing. It's like, okay, but she has to unlock the trunk of the car to put the homing device. When we know, and we've seen this in other movies, they just could have put it under the trunk of the car. And then Probably. we only yeah, have that sure. moment. The writers only have that moment just so that they can push her into the 
the back of the car. I'm like, great. Yeah, like, like remember in Goldfinger, the trunk is open. So Bond puts the tracker on Goldfinger's car in the trunk. Now, like, mm-hmm. Oddjob could have come over and, like, shoved Bond in, too, but Bond fair, did it but I'm saying, without but anybody it, seeing. And to you highlight know. the moment even worse, it's just like, who has the keys to the car? Good night. Where are the car keys? Oh, I've got the keys. And I've got the Solex, too. Oh, we yeah, have Miss, Miss Goodnight has But the it's keys like, Bond car. is being hard on her, but, I, I, like, Goodnight doesn't ever do anything where she's like, oh, I'm just stupid. Like, she is constantly doing her job. He's like, take the Solex and don't lose it, and I got to get back to help Bond. Why? He's, there's a midget with a gun on him. And then she sees Knickknack walk out, so she follows Knickknack to his car, and she's going to put a tracker on the car because she's like, this is our adversary. Like, she is always doing her job. She may sound and kind of move in this kind of, like, ditzy way, but she never, she's not like Rosie. Rosie was just like a f*** up. But Rosie at least is a, Rose, the great thing about Rosie though, as much as I think Rosie is annoying, the great thing is Rosie is a foil for Bond that is an ally that isn't an ally. So you think she's sure. an ally at first and then she isn't. And I think that's great to have that conflict. But we all agree that she's like a horrible actress and she's obnoxious. With Goodnight, she is, she's always doing her job. She never just like blatantly f- something up for the sake of f***ing it up. I have to side with McCurdy with on Goodnight. <laughs> I think Goodnight is barely better than Tiffany Case, and we all know I hate Tiffany Case. Yeah, I uh, agree that Goodnight is a bimbo, and so like you make a point that she she comes through in the end, but she also messes stuff up throughout, and it's just like this whole ditzy bimbo. But like, but like what? Like thing. what does she mess up? She messes the beginning up. Madam. Would you be good enough to move this inverted bedpan? I'm sorry I'm late, James, but your signal from a car only just reached the office. I mean, yeah, she comes through. She's like, oh, well, all but of the things come But then she fixes it. It's like, she yeah, literally I'm, I'm always fixes it. I'm not too worried about it. the cars, but, but like, like, she literally like, always like, fixes it. She's like, not, oh, and also like, come, oh, come on. Like, you, you went on and on about, she's like, yeah, this guy kicks his ass. Or about about uh, Tracy Bond kicking this, or Tracy unearned. kicking that guy's Tracy ass. Tracy was right? unearned. Whatever. Good, good I, night. I good night is. I don't agree. A, a but then good night. Good night is a secret agent. The, goes behind the guy that's like yeah. guarding her or whatever. The only other guy on this island. Yeah. Knocks him on the head. But like the stunt is so. Uh, it's so laughable. Dude. He dude. just like goes. Tra- ah! My whole point with Tracy was that there was there was never a time where they established that she could kick ass. They could have the whole fucking movie. They could have had what on the beach. She could have tried to fight the guys on the beach. She could have fought back against Bond. There were all these times that they could have showed that she had some kind of physical prowess, and they didn't but until they the script okay. suddenly needed it at the end. That was my whole case, which which you which you which you then turned into sexism. But with Goodnight, she Goodnight is a secret agent. Goodnight is an MI6 agent who she's not a very good no, one, and you would assume und- I would assume that if you're an t- secret why is she agent, not a good you're one? gonna know how to use martial arts. You're gonna know how to do a lot of these things. And the movie she does straight not up set murdered that, up. that guy. She knocks the guy into the water, and he's like, "Uh, Goodnight, are you kidding me? Like now the thing's gonna blow up. Now we got to get out of here soon enough." I'm like, how is she to know she that? Does is, is how is she to? Because, because, dude, like, like, dude, if she's she's an actual secret agent, are you kidding me? Like, this person, like, someone was like, a different point of view there and is like, yeah, we're gonna hire you. You seem like you know. A different point of view would be James Bond would be better off without her being there. It seems like in most cases, 
it would have gone more loved, smoothly. But he if wouldn't she have gotten pussy there. at the end. <laughs> this could have been a complete, and that's why I think this could have been a different movie had it would have been like Miss Anders had just been the main Bond girl in this. I film, think that's a, okay. So let, let's explore that. Let's explore that because that I do would be agree that it, I agree that it would be really interesting if instead because because what we have right now as the movie stands, we have this whole thing about um, Good Night. It's just super horny for James Bond. She wants a piece of 007. James, it's wonderful to see you. Everybody in this movie wants a piece of the legendary 007. Like, Scaramanga wants a piece of the legendary 007. Good Night wants to have herself a good night with 007. Uh, that's at least understandable. Because um, apparently, I mean, at one point, she's like... She, it seems she, like she, they have some she, history, too. She's straight James, up like, oh, geez, James, you must, you must be, be good. good. And he has that moment where he's like, I must be good. Yeah, but probably the more interesting path would have been him going to the island and ending up uh, leaving with Mo- maybe maybe he spends like the second half of the movie on the island and he gets close with uh, Miss Anders and she helps him out. Like maybe that's our different movie, right? Is that he escapes with Miss Anders? Well, I mean, he could have rescued Miss Anders and tried to get the Solix back or whatever. Yeah, I you think know? she like- Miss Anders doesn't die. She gets trapped on the island. Uh, at some point, she escapes when she's just going down on the island. And because she's been there so much, she knows about how some of the stuff works so she can help Bond yeah. get the soul plex. Yeah, there could have been more of a back and forth with her throughout the movie. And I didn't need go. I didn't need good night. I really just. Yeah, I'm like. And again, Charlie, like I'm saying, like like I've seen in other films, like I've seen in other films, you watch the movie and it and like you and I, like we follow the points, we understand how things work, right? How, how a yeah. script is written, and you know, like okay, if for instance, if you know, like okay, well, the reason they have this in the movie is to create conflict with the characters. The conflict in the characters makes for a better, more more compelling story. And I can see the filmmakers and the scriptwriters being like, let's have a character that gets in Bond's way and creates extra conflict. I can see that. But my point is, it's like you, again, with Miss Goodnight, it's like you have a character like, yes, this tracks the idea that we have this character that gets in Bond's way and it's going to create conflict. That makes sense. I understand why they would want to do it. The problem is, as a film, as an audience member watching it, the character annoys me. Like, I, I, I'm turned off by the character in itself. Even if you're saying, oh, that makes sense why she would put it under this. It makes sense that she knows, like, she pulls through and does all this stuff. It doesn't matter to me because as the film goes on, I'm like more and more annoyed with her getting in the way of Bond where I'm like, if she just get her out of the fucking way and then had Maude Adams as the main vil- as the main Bond girl, I would have been like, I'd be a little more on board with the movie. And then you would have this thing where it's now like Scaramanga, uh, Scaramanga and then Bond vying for the same girl. They have like, this is my girl type thing. That would even work better with the conflict between the two characters because you want to support that idea that you've. You've yep. displayed to me. It's like Bond and her, Bond and him. They're like they're dual, they're dual adversaries. But now we have this other girl that's kind of there. Like any other Bond movie, they would have just killed Goodnight at some point, and then the mod uh, Miss Anders character would have been the main Bond girl by the end of the film. It would have been. I think it would have been a better movie. My whole thing with Goodnight is I agree she's annoying, but there isn't a single time in the movie other than when her butt hits the master switch button, which is like whatever. I mean, they do that shit in Indiana Jones. It's just like a. Is she ditzy in performance? Yes, but she never f***s anything up other than at the end, her butt hits the button. Like, that's it. And then Bond's like, hit every switch, and she does, and then you have that unlucky moment where the cloud covers the thing, and she's like, oh, I guess I fixed it. Like, that's that's unlucky. But other than that, every time she f***s something up, she then 
corrects it like immediately like she continues to show like bond at one point is like oh you're more than meets and the like eye I like i said just because something she's tracks underestimated doesn't necessarily make it great Did just because again? something tracks does not make it good again it's annoying for the audience because you know what audience is just saying oh, can we get this girl out of here can we just shoot but, her I'm, dead but i'm not i'm not saying that she's not annoying and i'm not saying that she's great what i'm what i'm saying no no what i'm what i'm saying is your your argument is she f***s everything up and i'm saying she doesn't f*** anything up she appears to she gets things lucky. up and then she pulls through. <laughs> she's underestimated at every turn, but she always pulls ahead. And you're like, well, she's annoying. Why is she annoying? Because she f***s everything up. She doesn't f*** anything up. So I, I, if you just don't like her because she has an annoying voice or something, that's fine. But like, I do agree that it would have been interesting to see a story where uh, Miss Anders is alive the whole time. And it's like, it comes down to like, you know, these two men battling for her in the end. Like, that's interesting. Um, but- the way it is, is that Scaramanga is like, she betrayed me, so I just fucking killed her, which was what she was scared of in the first place. Like, that's, that's Scaramanga being like, I don't give a, f I like, I like killing people. Forget the girl, she's replaceable. She's expendable. Like, I think that just only builds up his character. And then meanwhile, you have this back and forth going on where it's like, Goodnight wants to bang Bond. Bond is like, f off, I'm busy. And then later, because Bond, literally because he doesn't have a mission, he's like, hey, about, how about you and I tonight we bang? That's really nothing very much for us to do tonight or is that and she's like no bond i'm not just gonna be one of your girls and then she's like eh, but i have always wanted this so like my my hard to get routine didn't work out just when they try to bang who comes in miss anders comes in so we have bond literally juggling two chicks in his bedroom and he's like sorry duty calls i need to bang this other girl and she's just like all pissed yeah. off about it like i i honestly i agree with you that she's annoying but I do think that that little subplot is fun where these two secret agents are constantly trying to f and ev the world just keeps getting in the way, even all the way up into the end where they're like, we have all the time in the world, babe. We got this slow boat from China. And then who shows up? Knickknack shows up. <laughs> then when they try to f again, who shows up? M shows up. And now it's like, oh my God, like to the point where finally Bond is like, good night, sir. <clears throat> the world f off so we can finally get laid like that is fun yes she's annoying but i don't think she f***s anything annoying. up and and their that little like back and forth plot with theirs is fun i think char makes some good points with uh with um the the scene with goodnight and miss anders in the same room and bond having to juggle that is a good scene and the the whole aspect of them trying to have sex the whole movie and everything getting in the way is is also fun but overall i think good night's a weak point for the movie Char, and specifically agree, like, why specifically she why because she's annoying because she is annoying not necessarily that she's annoying and i agree like so she she does help at the end of the day but she's always it's like someone asks you to, to do a job and you you do 90 percent there and then you get lucky the rest of the 10 percent or something or like you mess up but it still works out like your dad asks you to wash his car and you wash his car, but you scratch it in the process. And it's like, ugh. like, or like you forget and then it rains. <laughs> well, I don't know about you that, know. but that would be luck. But yeah. So like she, she has a job and she accomplishes what the end goal is like placing the tracker. She messes up in the process, but it still results in being able to track, uh, Scaramanga. Scaramanga. We've picked up good night signals, sir. She has other jobs that she, she's supposed to do and she is mostly successful. But it's the way she achieves it is just like not 
perfect and it just ends up with her being in my eyes more of a nuisance to the whole job do we really have to have her can we get but, her killed? but, but again but again what, shoot her in other the head than the with, end she get shot what situation does she muck up like she she does her job by following knickknack but and like, then she's unlucky said, by scaramanga throwing her in the trunk like she didn't she didn't like fall like ditzy would have been like oh my god i fell in the trunk oh my god like Bond, gave save the, me scaramanga literally kidnapped to her. the woman that is like probably shouldn't be a secret agent we gave the keys to the car to the person that probably shouldn't be the secret agent we should have just left her in the car she should have said listen but why give we, her the mcguffin great why if why did I he was give in it to that her situation and i had why to work with somebody why did he give it to her he gave it to her because he was going back into the fray. So he's like, here, you take this. Don't lose it. Then Nick comes I would have left her in the car. So I'd say, you him. stay in the car. You stay in the car. I will come to you and I will bring this to you. That's what I would do. If I'm dealing with somebody who is incompetent and can't do their job to the best of their ability, I'm probably going to handicap them a little bit and say, here, you sit this one out, you sit down, you do this. I'm not going to let this person be walking around oh, screwing things hand up. Hand her the MacGuffin and be like, get as far from here as you yeah, can. Yeah, like, like, don't be You don't need here. to linger and try to Why do Why am stuff. I giving the MacGuffin <laughs> to the girl that I know could probably screw things up that I'm already getting the sense of like... But guys, my point is, what had she screwed school? up? At that point, what had she screwed up? That's my whole point. At this point, Goodnight as a character, where has it been established that she's a fuck up? There's not one big mess up. It's just throughout. Yeah. Like, it's like one it thing after up. another, and you're just like, oh, come on. Can we kill her off? Can we just again, get rid of her? Again, Can Bond the, go first do his one, the first one is the green rolls, which she recovers from. Um, yeah, that's this, not bad. This, and the second one is Scaramanga kidnaps her, which, like, I mean, Bond yeah, I has done the same thing. Yeah, but that, that whole Bond, thing. Just, dude, oh, Bond has on. put tracker I devices into trunks before. Well, and, and like, why shouldn't she have the keys? Like, and then Bond has to go, go get his own wheels. Why doesn't the other guy have the keys? What that leads to is Bond having to go get his own wheels. Why is it her fault that she had the keys? It's not a fuck up. It's unfortunate, but it's not a fuck up. And that's my whole point is that you're like, she's a fuck up. What does she fuck up? And you have not been able to answer that question. I did it, answer that question. No, not just once. Like, well, put the tracker somewhere else on the car. Like, no, she f***s it up. Like <laughs> she's been, she's been unlucky, and then she's overcome that unluckiness. But she's never just straight up. Like again, like had she fallen into the trunk? Oh my god, I fell in the trunk, and then it shut, and now I'm locked in. That's her being a ditzy, klutzy idiot. She got thrown in by Scaramanga when she pulls in front of Bond. She like doesn't know any better. Like, how is she to know that she was cutting off Bond on a chase? And then Bond's like, run down this this plate. And she's like, oh, I already know where it's at. Like, she's unlucky, but she doesn't ever just straight up fuck something up. Could she not have put the tracker anywhere else on the car? In the Bond universe, does it have to go in the trunk? I think the safest place is in the trunk in case it falls off. And she wasn't expecting Scaramanga. And I'm not trying to give her a pass. I'm just saying, like, sure, you have a strong enough magnet, like, you could put it just on the undercarriage. Like, maybe today they would just do the undercarriage. But she sees him get in the car. She cracks it open. Is it a little convenient from, like, a screenwriter's point of view? Sure. But we saw in Goldfinger, Bond does the same thing. He d when he had the option, he didn't put it on the undercarriage. He put it in the trunk. 
Because what if it? What if they hit a bump and it falls off? It falls into but the part trunk. Of that, like but, I could believe the, that. The problem with that is the part of that scene is Bond just so happens to be behind the trunk, and the trunk is open because he's putting the golf. They're putting. But the what's golf, the difference? Uh, ties but, in there. but between the trunk being it's open, it's the convenience of being able to do it at that moment and not look suspicious. It's about the option. The option is. To either Versus, trunk like, or I have underneath. to do the extra step of opening up the trunk. Where in that situation, which, which, which the took trunk her is like, which took her like five seconds. So I see it as not a big difference. Like again, my whole argument is that she doesn't. Stri- I mean, if anything, it was a better idea to take the five seconds to open the trunk than to risk the tracker falling off. Right. I mean, now you could argue this. You could argue that they have the Solex, and she should have just been like, "Well, whatever, f- knickknack." Like, who cares about knickknack? But she mm-hmm. was, she, he's like, this midget has a gun on Bond. And she's like, oh, he's a bad guy. Like, she's, she's doing her job. Now, should she have prioritized the Solex over Knickknack? Sure. Um, was it a convenience so that Scaramanga could get the MacGuffin so that he could, like, win the day? Sure. Was it also a convenience that Scaramanga didn't see the Solex on the floor? I mean, it's like a classic MacGuffin, you know, like, like we talked about, like the movie Snatch. Like, it's like, the diamonds and diamonds are forever. It's like the MacGuffin is just always moving between all these people. And like, that's yeah. what's usually fun about those movies is like, oh, I've got it. Now I've got it. Now I've got it. It's all over the place. But what we're talking about is like, is Goodnight a complete f- up? And Rosie is a complete f- up because she like, she's like weak. She's constantly like yelling and screaming. And, and with this, it's like, you can say that maybe Goodnight's annoying in her voice or maybe she kind of like moves in a ditzy way. But there isn't a time where she just like, where you're like, oh my God, like she's unlucky so far as she pulls in front of Bond at the wrong time and then she pulls through. She, she's unlucky that she's doing her job chasing down Knickknack and putting this tracker on the thing. But then she, she's unlucky that Scaramanga happens to walk up and throw her in. She's unlucky when her butt hits the machine, but then she's like, Bond's like, hit say, every that's switch. That's when I roll know? my eyes and go like, oh geez. I switched the tape in the machine. You stupid twit, you put the real one back Come in. Come on. I look at her almost similar to, to Tiffany Case, at, definitely in the end, where, I mean, she's literally wearing a, she's a just purple there in a swimsuit, suit, just, just like there. Tiffany Case. <laughs> you know? And then Tiffany Case yep. puts the cassette tape in her swimsuit, goodnight, hits the button with her butt. It's just like, uh, all right. Yeah. Okay, goodnight doesn't break the movie, but she's not a strong point, that's for sure. Yeah, like had her had her butt not hit the button, then I think... Like, I'm saying before all of that, she's maybe unlucky, but she doesn't, like, knowingly f*** anything up. When when her butt hits that, it's like, eh, okay. She didn't, like, what's this? And touch it. Like, my whole thing is that she's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to argue, like, she's I feel Tracy like if you're a secret agent, perfect, you've gone through you know? training and you have really good awareness of your surroundings and she sure. doesn't you're not yeah, going to be looking in a ever. hole and hit a button with your butt yeah <laughs> she sure. just seems yeah. like someone who doesn't ever have good awareness and that really bothers me when i watched this movie this time i was like i'm, I'm kind of watching almost like a first time viewer a little bit right mm-hmm. like i'm trying to focus on all the little plot details which is what we're trying to do get... here yeah that's exactly good. Yeah. that's good that's good and i actually like doing this this is a really great great exercise but the You've thing got is, a is first watching... time viewer right here yeah if you want to ask me some questions <laughs> so so nance wait who is that wait who well, nance, well, real quick real quick have you been there the real whole quick. time <laughs> real quick Most though i just want to say yeah. this when i was watching this movie this first this time around i was like you know like the lat when we talked about honor magic secret service that was you know my movie that i i really pushed for 
uh, and and you had this whole bit where you're like, no, the intro should have been this, right? And like you were having your own version of the intro. And for me, yeah. I was like, the intro to this movie could have been even more interesting. And I think in one way, how it could, could have been, it have been any more interesting? Let me let me let me talk. Let me let me speak. <laughs> go ahead. How could let it have talk? been any more? I think interesting. it could have been more interesting in the fact that either a you had. Scaramanga killing these agents, which I, I could see why they may not done that, because they're like, well, we kind of did that in the last movie. We don't want to repeat ourselves there. It could also have been something where we don't even see Scaramanga's face in the beginning of the film for a good chunk of the movie. And it would have been even more interesting if Scaramanga, like we thought, was a false ally again, where he could have been approached Bond. Bond has no idea who this guy is. And I, I mean, I'm just, you know, again, it's like what you did. You had I don't your own see version any of, that. of this I really movie. don't see any of that. Like, I think the way they did it was that prologue is by far not only the most interesting prologue, but I mean, it's like we literally just start the movie on this fantasy island. We're like, whoa, where are we? Who is this guy? And then you have a most dangerous game style duel to the death yeah. where his servant is paying the guy to do this. Oh, that would have been too easy. It's locked. You're saying that it should have it should have opened with with like Bond walking into the office and they're like this faceless guys after no, you. No, like, no, the movie no, no, establishes no, no. I'm saying, I'm, here's how what I, I said his cool Scaramanga is. Well, here, right away, I'm saying I'm saying they could have done the opening of the same opening of the movie like that you love, and not shown his face, and use that as a way to get us intrigued to who is the man with the golden gun and creating a bit more mystery. And as the film goes on, we don't, we're not 100% sure who the man with the golden gun is. And then it's revealed towards the end. Because I, I, one of the things I love about this movie, one of the scenes that I, I'm like, I do love this scene. Because Bond's like, has never, he even mentions it in the movie. He's like, no one's ever seen this guy's face. Or at least, yeah. he's like, that was part of his plan, right? He's like, he tells uh, Everyone tells knows Q, he has three nipples. He's no like, tells Q, everyone like. knows what this guy has three nipples. That's all you see in the beginning. Knows... You don't see his face. You just see nipples yeah. coming it's out like, of the nobody water. Nobody knows that, but they do know that he has three <laughs> nipples. And yeah. like, I'm like, oh, you could have done so much more with that. You could have been like, that could have been a big reveal to Bond where like we find out like, oh, like this guy that we maybe Bond had been hanging out with or he thought was an ally in this, this whole thing was actually... Uh, Scaramanga all along. As the movie stands, that all pays yeah. off when he sits down next to Bond, and Bond is like, "Hey, random guy, like I'm, I'm just th this isn't a dead body." And he's like, "Forget it, Mister Bond." Like he reveals himself to be Scaramanga in that moment, and then Bond's first instinct is to pull his gun. He's like, "No, no, no, my midget's behind you. Don't even bother." And then that uh, that allows him to to introduce himself. But it's not that I don't yeah. like Scar. I don't like. I like Christopher Lee. I like the yeah. I like what he does and the things that they do like connect as far as Bond versus him I think do work like I do like I love his backstories like he was in the circus when I was a boy I was brought up in a circus my only real friend was a magnificent African bull elephant you see Mr. Bond I always thought I liked animals and I discovered that I like killing people even more you know, and I loved his, like you said, like the motivation behind him. He's all money. He, there's no, there's no confusing this, right? But I do feel like the whole energy thing and all of that stuff, it just like it gets in the way of what could have Why been. Why does it bug you though? Like, what is the problem with having this backdrop so of an energy? It's like, silly. I, I, I can't help it's but think that you- It's obnoxiously silly for- Because you're like, it dates it. Well, it doesn't date it. it what does. is your problem with it? What is your problem with it? 
It's just, it, it's to me, it's again, it's a silly, th it's a silly premise where it's like, okay, we have this. Okay, and here's the other thing: the world like, is always going to an energy crisis. It's, it's like we have the like, solar agitator. Countries would be going to war agitator. over that technology. Let me finish. We have the solar agitator, right? In this movie, yeah. But then, like next couple movies, does that affect the other movies? Because would you in expect my mind, it I'm to? Like, would you expect it to? I kind of. I mean, if it's a world-changing thing, like you're saying, like you know, uh, you know dude, it's the government. They, you, you, you could, you could, you could say that the government covered it up so they can keep making oil money. The oil shakes will pay you just to keep solar energy off the market. It just seems very strange, and it's like the last movie to me. It's let's, like one let's of the stay things on point, though. Let, no, no, no. Bit. Let's stay on point. You're talking about future Bond movies. I don't know what the f that means. We're talking about this movie. And you're saying that because they developed some technology, we need to see it in all the movies. Hence, we're talking about this specific singular movie. And for some Does reason, get, you have some me, problem with the energy this, crisis plot. Let me, and let me ask you this because I do get distracted by I get distracted by the end with the the blood, like the the fight with him and Nick Knack, which I think is great. I actually do like that part. Yeah, I can't does even. he get the agitator or does it get destroyed in 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 the in the island? He pulls it out and he and he he. He brings it home. Like, he gets it in the He brings end. it home, okay. He throws yeah. it in his shirt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just think I, it's one of those things where it's like, I wish that wasn't necessarily the MacGuffin, and I wish that wasn't the part of the movie. why? Like, you haven't provided one reason why other than just personal bias. Like, you just don't like... Because, like, again, it's a loose backdrop for the for the main story. The main story is Scaramanga and Bond. Like, we, okay, so we're gonna, so he has a laser in this movie now? Like, it's like, okay, yeah, the solar-powered lasers in this movie that we use to explode this thing. This is the part I really like. It feels like the screenwriters were like, okay, we have to have a giant set in the end of this movie because they always have giant sets in the end of this movie. Even though the story's like, Mono mono story. We still have we still have to check the box offs. Uh, box. Well, it's like off. we need we need an exciting escape. And how do we manufacture an exciting escape? We need a cool layer, yeah. and we need to blow it up. We need to blow it <laughs> yeah. up the layer. Yeah. And that it, it just bothers me in the end of the movie. It's like, well, if you really wanted it to be about Bond fighting this other guy, and it's in this fun house, like, wouldn't it even be better if like they were fighting in where the power plant is, and then amongst the fight that they Not have, at all. like, they're fighting happened. in a funhouse controlled by a midget like and the fun and again that's and so again, much like, better than fighting saying, amongst those those big circular things like are you crazy no the the way they have the fight is is fun as fuck okay, as set so, up from the beginning but then but then listen at, at the end that you know you have like it's like two three minutes for them to get the solar agitator um and, that, and again that's just like it's just like a, it's it's like capping off the movie all of that in, in my like in, in my interpretation, what all the function of all of that story wise is not only to have like, oh, we got to have an explosive escape to run away all, yeah. in that whole process. Who do you forget about? Or are you talking? Wait, you completely forget about Knickknack during that whole escape. By the time that Knickknack shows himself, you're like, oh, Knickknack. Without any of that, you would just be like, wait, like. Oh, Knickknack's going to come out. What I want to know, really, is at this moment, where would you place it in the ranking? You, uh, you st still sure? You, you tell you, me not, where you place it. I'll tell know. you where. Hey, here. Yeah, because I don't believe it's number three. You've told me um, that in your personal list. But by, by it, taking as far on, as ranking is now, um, 
I, I, I like that this movie takes on this personal story for Bond. This isn't just like another doomsday plot or whatever. This is personal, which allows his mystique to grow. But what, what makes it personal for him, threatened. though? That's the other. This is like this is I, personal. I know you've told this me whole in the past, movie is like, personal. This, why is it personal for him, though? It, be, be, it, because him. his life, his very <laughs> life has been threatened by an assassin. His life is threatened all the time. How is this personal? His his life Directly specifically. McCurdy, McCurdy, listen. Mailed his life specifically his is not threatened. Like it's not. They 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 say like, hey, we're gonna blow up England. They don't say we're gonna kill James Bond. Now in now his Spectre life is in and danger like, in the other jobs, but as yeah. a as a circumstance of the job. But this is. Yeah, his life is in danger at all points in every single movie that there's he's in. A, he McCurdy, knows that he's there's going a to difference. Be in danger. His life is always he in knows danger. He's be a yes, target. yes, but but he's never been called out specifically by an assassin. Like the other movies, the bad guys are like, "I'm going to kill you because you're in my way." In this movie, it's just like, "I'm going to come kill you." <laughs> what I'm saying is, they straight up say, "Bond, you are on leave to go figure out this whole assassin thing." Because now you're a liability, because this guy's coming after you. I'll endorse your request to resign. Or you can take a sabbatical and go to ground until this matter's settled. The whole plot of From Russia with Love is to get revenge on Bond and like and like get some goodies in, in, yeah. in, in at the same time. But like objectively speaking, this is the most personal story for Bond so far as his career's involved, where it's like, this assassin is targeting you. Go like off and go figure that out before you jump back on on your assignment so like it it's it's not just like a national security thing it's very personal where it's like you gotta go find like nobody's at, nobody knows scaramanga you gotta go find him before he kills you but nobody knows what he looks at like he's got the, uh, the he's got the high ground on you you know so his first step is what victims do i know bill fairbanks 002 oh poor phil i miss him you know, the man with the golden gun didn't Officially, that was never confirmed. Where was 002 when it happened? Beirut, 69. In a cabaret with a lady called Saida. Belly dancer. Belly dancer that was his girlfriend, has the bullet, he's got to get the bullet, and then he's got to go have the bullet analyzed, and it, analyzed, it goes through his butt. Hotel, mister? No. The nearest pharmacy. There's no way to trace that bullet? No idea what it went through to get here. They could have just analyzed the bullet they sent him, but... Yeah, but the problem with that is, like, the movie, at the end of the day, it's like, well, that wasn't actually a bullet for Bond. It was just a cry for help. Who do you think sent that bullet to London with your number on it? I did. I think there would have been more conflict and more play out if they had just went ahead and not had this, like, trick where it was like, oh, actually... It was a cry for help. I would think I would appreciate it more, a little bit more if it was like, no, it's actually, you know, Scaramando actually was after him. If there was a history there or had, you know, like we find out Bill and Bond were real close or whatever, like if there was something more there, if Scaramanga killed Tracy instead of Irma Brunt, you know, like, and I know that's not the, the movie, but if it was something along those lines, like the intro of the movie is actually Bond, uh, you know, on a mission. And then we find out that Scaramanga kills you're One saying you want it to be more something. personal? Dude, he it, killed, he killed that, a fellow double saying, O. Like, oh, like he's Dude, after you. He killed a fellow double O. That is always going to have some weight. Now, I know that the movies don't delve into other double O's. Um, yeah. And, but and it's like, like, sometimes that, they like, do. It, it well, would be, well, like, we, in the well, future. We know they in the do, future. But yeah, in the future. In the future. We know but they as do. But as of now, but they I'm don't. But I'm saying, like, again, like, when you say this movie's personal and you're like, oh, it's 
such a personal movie. I'm like, in the world of Bond, it's as personal as it gets. I think this is just a case of a different it's definition. Too, of it's two professionals. Yeah. It's literally two professionals. It's like Red Grant all over again. Professional A versus professional Z, like black hat versus white hat. Like that's as personal as it gets. I, I will I will admit, I didn't some some things that you've pointed out tonight, I never saw in the movie. And I think that I appreciate like you acknowledging or at least explaining these things, like the the plane. So I still think the plane itself is a sight gag where you're like you look at it and you're like, okay, that's just goofy. It just looks goofy. What I'm saying is I appreciate you pointing out that like in the past, Bond is the one who's using the goofy gadgets, and this time, the, this guy is using the gadget to get away, and he best bonds in that yeah. sense. And, I, and I'm and i like, I never thought of it that way. That's actually nice. I still think it's a sight gag, but I did appreciate, like, you pointing that out. Wouldn't you, like, like you would expect, though, that, like, if Bond did that, would you be saying the same thing? Would you be like, ah, oh, it's a sight gag? Or you'd I'm, be agree- like, I'm, I'm saying I'm it's agreeing like, with you it, that the sense that it's like, yeah, I never thought about that before. Like, I'm like, oh, that's I a good point. I think I'm in the middle of you two on that one, too. Like, when I first saw the car with the wings on it, I was like, that's a little silly. And then we see the inside of his dash kind of changes, and it's like, oh, this is like a, a Bond car, but of a, for yeah. a villain. And I was yeah. like, okay, I can get behind this. Yeah, but it's yeah. like, like, I don't know. If I'm being real nitpicky about it, though, you could you could evenly point out that, like, what if instead the car gets in, like he gets into a garage and the car's in a plane and that plane takes off or something else like get into another vehicle. Like it would have been the same thing. Like he's yeah. already, like you would get the point Just across get in a plane that Bond, instead of a you would have gotten car. the point across that Bond <laughs> is getting bested by this guy without having the silly sight gag in between. But it works. I see mm. what you're saying though. I see what you're saying though, is that it's like, well, Q even mentions it. It's like, well, we have these types of things, you know? And it's yeah. like, that's the that's the get to it. But I think they're like as far as the goofiness, because when people describe, especially these Roger Moore movies, they talk about what is goofy about these movies. And that's one of those things where I'm like. That that's what that is like the indicative of like that is why people think these more movies are goofy is because you have things that are yeah. the gadgets are sight gags in themselves. And and like that's the like the little things. Can that you explain kinda, to me, though, like because I I get like. When you just say car plane, you're like, you know, it's, it's kind of like the last movie. Boy, where you been all your life? That there's one of them new car boats. Which is a funny line. Yeah. And then here we literally have a car plane. But like, I don't see it as, I understand that at first glance it would be goofy, but it's not impractical. Like it, it's like, like is, is the best thing to fly around in a, a, a car plane. But at the same time, isn't that really what a plane is? It's just, it's something you sit in and it drives real fast on wheels and then it takes off. Like it's not like if you think about it for a second, it's like, eh, like it's not outside the realm of Bond. I mean, like, then that's what yeah. I've been saying is that if Bond did it, you wouldn't think twice about it. It'd be like, man, man, and you'd be like, oh, there's Bonds in a car plane. Like and what they would do maybe maybe today is in, like you're saying, they would drive into a hangar and he would drive up into a plane. And then, and he'd get out of the, the car and he'd get into the cockpit and he'd fly off in like a much bigger plane or, or, or listen, 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 or he's on the highway and he's flying along and suddenly wings shoot out and like his bonds, like I got him now, <laughs> I got him now. And then all of a sudden all the, all the controls and the dash start switching and then like, shoom, like wings come out and he takes off and bond is like, holy shit. Like 
Maybe today they would have done that. Whereas, and that, honestly, maybe, like, that would have been fun. Maybe, maybe that's the key to me where I'm like, that movie could have been better. Like, you could have done things like that where yeah. Bond, you actually see this guy who, who not only has the, he was the man with the golden gun, but you yeah. have a guy that is essentially James Bond, but he's just, he's one, he's, the black he's bad. He's, the, yeah. he's a bad version of James Bond. He doesn't yeah. have a country. He's more for money. And you could have had more of these gadgety things. And like, yeah, he has a really silly, uh, you know, the clubhouse thing. It's fun, right? It's fun. Yeah. But, you know, we could have seen that could have been the movie as Bond, you know, just trying to get this guy, chase this guy down, all these things. We could have had more of those moments, I think, in this movie, but we don't. One small little thing that I, th- I thought was just kind of interesting. I never noticed before, and it's not significant at all. But M's door has always been this leather, right? It's like a leather couch. It's a cushion. Yeah. It's like a cushion. But this time it had these little gold buttons on it. And what's interesting mm-hmm. is that the scene with Money Penny, where he's like, Money Penny, why didn't they ever uh, confirm it? And she's like, because they never found the bullet, darling. And then she disappears behind the door. Mm-hmm. The door has always had these little like inlets, like little belly buttons, little navels. And this time they had these little gold buttons in there. And then they hmm. cut to the belly dancer's belly button with the gold <laughs> bullet in it, and it's the same design. The bullet is exactly what those little belly buttons on the door were. And I'm not saying there's no. any significance there. It's just like, wait, 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 wait. Like, did they know like, that? Been like, a... did they do that on purpose? Because because M's door never had those little gold buttons, as far as I'm concerned. Was it used as a transition thing? No, I'm watching. Notice. I'm watching it now because I have it on my computer. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It could have like, been like I think that was the like the thinking was like this would be a great transition because sometimes they you have zoomed into it, that but they didn't little... zoom into it. But they they just cut. But it's like little well, little navel looking things. Yeah, and then they just cut to her belly. That's a good observation because like sometimes movies have. Like you have very literal, like oh, I get it. It's a really good match. Yeah, like cut if they to zoomed this in, this come. Yeah, right. And then sometimes there's more like an idea of something. Like we see in one film, it was like in Diamonds Are Forever. It's like they pull up, Bond pulls up, and then you see hovercraft. And then next thing you know, he's on the hovercraft. Like yeah, things like that are a little like not on the nose, but that's like okay, I get the. I get you're the you're match you're meant idea. to connect A to B. The question with this is, were you meant to connect A to B? Like were you I meant think, to be like? I think Charlie, hey, I think you're right. You know? I think that's. I think they were doing like that was. I maybe they just didn't match it, but it's like yeah, I I see that. Yeah, I get maybe it. Maybe yeah. Guy Hamilton. Maybe there's a take where they zoomed in on the button. And it just didn't and work. And then they or cut, and then and then they're like, "That's that's kind of stupid. Why are we doing that?" And then and then they yeah. just cut it out. But like, it's still yeah. there. I mean, like undeniably, it's like you have all these belly buttons with gold in them, and then you cut <sighs> to a belly button with gold in it. So I, I just thought that was interesting. Um, and then also that happens to be the design of the high uh, high fats doors are the same thing, where they're like big red doors <laughs> with a bunch of gold uh, buttons all over them. So it's like, well, I mean, I think the movie was just being like, yeah, it's it's a yeah. like gold is in the title. So, of course, we want to put that in the movie. But it's some, it's like M's door is the same as High Fat's door. And I like, see what you're saying. I don't yeah. read any significance into that. It's just like something I noticed. Like, did they definitely a production design, you know? probably a production design thing. But I mean, again, that's an on location thing, too. So, yeah, that could either be a they built these design set doors for Pinewood for just the entrance part. And yeah. then when he actually gets to the actual location, that's separate. Or it was like when they saw the location, they're like, oh, I love these doors. And then we could use this in the movie. Like it could have been that. So, yeah, I like M and I like Q in this movie. I will always they, love this M. I like M in this movie particularly because you pointed out the last time that like 
Bond's like the know-it-all. And I think yeah. he's even more of a know-it-all in this movie. But like yeah. M is just like the father who has to deal with this weird dysfunctional family. And he has the know-it-all kid who's like the best and the brightest, but he's like, God damn it. Like I fucking hate you, but like you're the best and the brightest. And but I, I do need love you. you. Yeah. But I need you. And then he has Q on the other hand, who's also a know-it-all, but it's like, and these two guys hate each other. And, and Q's just like, uh, you know, like saying, well, oh, we have shut this, up, blah, Q. blah, blah. It's like, shut up, Q. And <laughs> yeah. it's just like, oh, it's so good. Like that, well, you that can, is you one can of the tell, things I you think You can great. feel the, 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 like, you can generally feel the pressure on M. Uh, but this yeah. time specifically, like the whole government apparatus is like, M, we're talking free energy, bitch. Like we need, like get the fucking Solex. And he's like, like his face in that one where he's like, yeah he didn't get it like he's so like he looks like he's gonna have a heart attack the whole movie yeah but and then you have the uh bond you know you should go on sabbatical like you're you're on leave and it's like unlike it's almost contrasting to the magic secret service scene where it's like he goes on leave or whatever but yeah. this time it's like he learned his lesson from last time is like if i found him first sir that might change the situation dramatically wouldn't you say Yes, yeah. dipshit. Like go, it's, it's, go, it's go. It's the father-son like, relationship that exactly. they have, where he's like, like straight up, he's like, "Hey, um, you're." He's like, "You, I'm taking you off your assignment." And and Bond right away, like as we know, Bond hates being taken off assignments. He's like, he's like, "Dude, like, I want to do this. Don't stop me." And he's like, "I got to stop you. Um, I, I'll accept your resignation, or you can go on sabbatical or whatever." And then, um, and it's it's. It's literally just like a wink, wink, nod, nod, like go sort this out. Yeah. And I and I think it's yeah. a great moment between the two of them. And, and yeah, yeah. Bond's like, well, sir, what if I took the initiative and I went after him? And he's like, yeah, that would probably fix things, wouldn't it? You know, like I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. like little I moments do like, like that, that moment, you know? I do and, like that. Like this, I'm telling you, this M, he won't be around much longer and he's just, you're gonna miss him. Like he's just a fantastic M. Yeah. Uh, although uh, you, you're gonna miss him until until we get Judy Dench. Like until we get Judy Dench, you're gonna be like, uh, I want M back. There are very few people who haven't heard of Bond. British Secret Service 007, license to kill. In this movie, you know, as much as we've been talking about how like Bond does have a reputation, they say repeatedly, Bond has a reputation, not to the general public, but to the spy world, which is exactly what you would expect. That like there'd yeah. be dossiers on him all over the place in different intelligence agencies. Like that's, that works. Random people knowing who he is, is, is stupid. And that's, that makes for a good joke, but it's stupid within the Bondverse. Um, yeah. That being said, we've talked before about how like the Walther PPK, when people are like only one man on the planet uses a Walther PPK, this movie takes that into account where the, the arms dealer is like mass production. You got a Walther PPK for it. I leave to others. Yeah. Um, he, no. That dispels with the whole thing of like, only one man uses it. Scaramanga and the arms dealer, they know that James Bond 007 uses a Walther PPK, but they never say it's exclusive to him. It's his preference. Like they understand, just like he prefers vodka martinis, he's not the only man on the planet that drinks vodka. So like all these little details are, are why for me, this is like, so far, I it's underrated versus. Being I think this like, movie is like discarded as far much more as underrated. I think people yeah. discard this movie, and I honestly don't know why. I mean, again, I think every Bond movie has missteps, and um, yeah. 
They're not all perfect, and for they, sure. they're, they're they're not all. Per- I mean, we've talked before about how like Doctor No is technically perfect, but the scope is so low. Like they really don't make any missteps in the movie. Um, yeah. But like the scope is so small, and it was it was like detect- it was that, easy that to be more perfect. Of like a detective movie. Yeah, it did. It didn't. It didn't reach all that far. Um, yeah. It it like it was perfect at its scale, and since then movies have been like trying to like up that scale, and they've either had missteps or they have not. But, ba ba ba. This is my number one. Yeah. I put this f-ing movie at the top. Yeah, and I and, and, I, I, and I, I understand that you are you are like, probably no. going to disagree, but like, I can't help but think that your opinions are just based on like other people's popular opinions. I think this movie is so easily overlooked. But when you watch it in, in just with that idea of like, we've been watching this man for nine movies and he's just, you know, oh, he saved the world again. Oh, he saved the world again. This is the same guy who saved the world over and over and over. And now we're seeing this story, this <clears throat> his personal story continuing into just the world. It, like this movie is about reputation. This movie is about like, you know, it's it's living within that shadow world of the spies, and it's like your reputation versus mine, and like Highlander style, there can only be one, like a showdown. And again, all this stuff, like like uh, like so far, it's like you're like, oh, the car plane's weird, sure, sure, but like we talked about, that's like that's Scaramanga pulling some Bond. Sh-. Good night is annoying, sure, sure. Good night's annoying, um, but like when it comes to Bond and the bad guy, I think it's the best bad guy we've come across and i think i think you know you, you people people would be like oh i wish it was sean connery and it's like some people would just rate sean connery movies above the rest because they just can't accept the fact that bond could ever be anybody else but roger moore again is a bond purist he is bond in this movie he's he's charming and he and, he, and he's like seductive he's wittier and he, he he's balancing all these things and he's a fucking asshole like he's he's like pure bond in that sense where he's like not taking any and he's like getting exactly what he needs to get the bad guy and the whole movie again like energy energy crisis in the background the movie is about it's a personal story of this super spy going against this super assassin and besting that guy on his own ground like taking advantage of that guy's um ego and that guy like like the, uh, Scaramanga has this odd man crush obsession with Bond. Ours is the loneliest profession, so let us spend a few pleasant hours together. How can I refuse such a gracious invitation? Splendid, splendid. He comes in there and takes full advantage of it to like defeat him on his own turf. Now, like, it's interesting when you when you bring up like, well, what if Miss Anders was there the whole time and all that? And like, I can't see how. Like, unless you laid out exactly how that would play out, um, all we have is the movie as it is. Like, um, and and within that realm, it's like, well, Scaramanga killing her is like, that only beefs up Scaramanga's character. And again, like, when it, like for me, coming down to just Bond and the bad guy, I think Roger Moore is perfectly Bond in this movie. And I think Scaramanga, I think Chris Lee as Scar- Scaramanga is like, stellar bad guy like just straight up equal but opposite entities going face to face it's not it's not our like 
Um, it's not our like uh, Blofeld stealing the world, and that's all well and good. But this is this is like our first foray straight up into the world of the spy and like how these people have re- reputations. Because again, for the millionth time, it's not you and me. You and I, all of us, we're not Bond. Bond, you got to put yourself in the character of Bond and how he's been. He's he has fought all these guys who have these crazy egos and he's come out and now we have this guy who's got like the ultimate ego to us mr bond we are the best i could have shot you down when you landed but that would have been ridiculously easy like every great artist i want to create an indisputable masterpiece once in my lifetime the death of 007 mano a mano and where scaramanga's like i'll give you six bullets you're six against my one. I only need the one. That's fucking fantastic. And and Bond is just wasting bullets left and right. And you know, and, and Knickknack's like, you're down to three. And then at one point he's down to zero. He straight up loses his gun. Oh crap. My phone just died. <laughs> Great. Do we want to wait? Mono e mono. Three weeks later. We're back! <laughs> Everybody had Yay! Easter and vacations and Yay! stuff. Nice little break. Yay! Nobody's randomly tan. Uh, nobody really looks different. Nans has a new setup. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so, uh, quick history. Um, in that blink of an eye, uh, we didn't have enough opinions to come to a conclusion on Man with the Golden Gun. We did nothing but disagree the whole time. And then we had tech difficulties where we couldn't continue. So um, we all <laughs> broke up with each other for three weeks later. So, um, but now there was we have a whole Scott. montage and a movie that you guys all missed. Where, yeah. you know, we all like were reflective on each other's lives. And then we were like, man, we need to bring the band back together. Yeah, <laughs> you guys missed it. It was, was a, it was ranked is coming back, guys. It's coming back. <laughs> well, I'm it's like the Beatles. It's like, well, I'm I'm in if Paul's in, I'm in if, jo- if John's in, I'm in, I'm in if Ringo's in, you know. All right, anyway. Uh, so, uh, that was all one, that was all the Beatles matched into one voice. Um, I love uh, it. anyway, where we stand is uh, idiot me think movie good, movie real good i i i still for for me it's a list topper i might be the only person on the planet with that opinion for all i know but i think this movie is highly undervalued i think there's deep fucking value in this movie that nobody sees <laughs> every episode's uh, gonna have a game <laughs> crossover but um um yeah we're not millionaires yet for some reason um no. and then McCurdy, your view is should be somewhere towards the bottom, but you know, I'm gonna say this: some of the points you made, I would say somewhere in the middle. It's kind of where okay. I feel. We, we okay. We mostly disagree on like I, I, I just we agree that Goodnight is detrimental and she's obnoxious, but we where we we agree on that, we disagree on the weight. Like, if this was a weighted grade, you're like, well, you really have to count that Bond girl in there. And I'm like, eh, you know. And then also just on other trivial things like the the 
energy crisis subplot and stuff like that. I've taken all accounts in. Uh, good night, Nans and McCurdy. I agree with you more than I agree with Charlie. She doesn't add anything, but she's a field officer. She's not a 007. So yep. anything, all the mistakes she makes are almost understandable in a way. They're all, I mean, they're all bad point. luck. Every single yeah. one of them is, is bad well, luck. Besides the point where she has the Solex and she should just go. All that being said, Captain Kirk, is this movie <laughs> better than Goldfinger because of some like minuscule stuff that Charlie's like, this, you guys, this movie is so much better than what people are telling you because of this, this, and this. It is much better than Goldfinger. I don't think it's better than Goldfinger or From Russia with Love. Okay, if McCurdy's so, going to jump into that, though, this, this would be an opportune moment for me to go through my, my Goldfinger McCurdy, list. His butt is hurty. His, his butthole is dirty. <laughs> um, okay. It's dirty, Scott. Goldfinger is like, it's like, ooh, it's Citizen Kane. It's like untouchable. It's the greatest film ever made. Goldfinger's great, but it also has all these like little nitpicky, why is that in there type of things. and. It's it it happens to be uh you know in, in my book any any bond movie with the the word gold in it is going to be awesome but but all the same let me just run through a couple of things so goldfinger has a prologue that has nothing to do with the overall story whereas the man with the golden guns prologue perfectly bookends the overall story this movie is is unique and specific unto itself whereas like all the goldfinger iconic stuff is like almost interchangeable with with every other movie in the, in the franchise, uh, as far as Connery's concerned. Uh, the gangster scene in Goldfinger makes no sense at all. Like, he just tells all these guys his overall plan, and then he just murders them all. So it's like, why didn't he just murder them all? You can say, like, oh, that's his ego. But, like, usually that's what they do before they kill Bond at the end because they want somebody to give them validation or whatever. Like, yes, you're a genius. Yeah, that's usually what Bond is doing. He's like, yeah, you're a genius. But, like, Goldfinger just tells all the gangsters what he's going to do with their money and then he just murders all of them like murdering them makes sense so he can keep the money but why go through this big elaborate scene of explaining the heist except just to give the audience that information and give bond that information like it, it doesn't make sense um goldfinger has a, a bunch of goofy shit that was my whole case against like that versus from rush with love it just not worth getting into but it is just it's goofy. Guy Hamilton is is he makes goofier movies. Chew Me is so much more believable as a name <laughs> and therefore works better than Chew Pussy me. Galore. But you know, Chew I'm not I, like whatever. They're both awesome. Uh, <laughs> Nick Knack and Ajab are very similar, and like people sometimes get them mixed up. But Nick Knack is more plugged into this story and is more than just the muscle. Mm -hmm. He's easily underestimated and can be very deadly and sneaky. And has a much more interesting relationship with his master than Goldfinger. You know, with the whole, like, he's trying to get his money thing. He's, he's literally trying to kill Scaramanga, but they kind of have this odd love-hate relationship. But whatever. Their showdown is perfect for their characters. Not a punch-for-punch punch or a goofy airplane death that Goldfinger had, but it's a straight mano-a-mano -mano duel. Bond solves the problem with his dick. Oddjob's like, no, cool no, 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 and perfect. the Aston Martin is cool. That's really what it comes down to. Goldfinger, I, like, for the millionth time, I love all these movies, but... But it, you can nitpick every last one of them, mm -hmm. at least up to this point. Oh, and Tilly Masterson is just as bad, if not worse, than Goodnight. No, she's not. Because to me, Tilly Masterson at least is like, 
my sister got murdered. And regardless of that, it's not like she's trying to get in Bond's way because she's like, Bond, you just got in my way. I'm trying to go after the bad guy. And now you're just driving right up to me. Like, did nobody in the Secret Service teach you? Like, if an agent is like tailing somebody, maybe don't drive right in front of them. But she was, but she went to pick him up. She went to pick him up. Like she parked right like, in front of the other car and he's like, he's obviously ready to go to the other side. Hold on. Oh, wait, 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 hang on, hang on. I know, I know, but like, but like, but yeah, but you're like, you're suddenly jumping back into all the same shit. I am not jumping back into the same shit. This is all the same shit. It's not the same shit. Yeah. The problem is, it's like, you're like, Tilly Masterson's just as bad. I'm like, no, Tilly Masterson like was seeking revenge and yes, she dies, but at least she wasn't like getting in Bond's way purposely. It was like, she was more focused on trying to do her own mission. She shot at Bond, and then she tripped the 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 trip she wire. Didn't know Bond was after her, but but she tripped him. she tripped the trip wire that then completely f***ed up Bond's entire thing, getting her killed, and then almost getting Bond. Tilly Masterson cut does in not half. annoy me, annoy me in she, the she, least. A, Let me go! You're breaking my back. What the hell are you doing here? I want to kill him. Kill who? Goldfinger. Well, I want him alive. I want him dead. He got my sister. She's a terrible actress, and she probably banged the producers to get... She was hopping up and down on Cubby's broccoli in order to get that role. Here's what makes this movie for me. Um, the dynamic between Bond and Scaramanga is just brilliant. I, I, I love that the Scaramanga does not need to kill Bond. There's, there's no need there. There's a competitive nature between the two that drives them towards each other that, want, that, that makes Scaramanga want to battle Bond. There's no need at any point, you know? I, I love that dynamic between them. I love the dynamic between Knickknack and Scaramanga. I love that relationship. He almost acts like he wants to kill Scaramanga. It's such a weird relationship. Uh, it's like, it's like loving, but but he also he 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 would gain by having Scaramanga killed. But it's like Scaramanga has enough confidence that he never will be killed, and that pushes Knickknack harder to try to kill him. Yeah. But there's this affection there. Like it's it's such an interesting interplay between them. <laughs> it's it is completely unique. Like that whole and that's that's my whole hook, right? I mean, we've we have talked so much about Goodnight and I don't give a fuck about Goodnight. I just when she's around, I mean, and like as far as like on the superficial end of things, like she she's one of the more unattractive Bond girls. But what I mean, whatever. Like like I, she doesn't weigh in on the decision for me, um, and like and everything we've talked about and how to improve this movie, it, it's all it's all interesting. But like my whole thing with like McCurdy last time when we we would talk about uh, like you would say ah, it might have been better if we had if we hadn't seen Scaramanga for a while, like we didn't see his face if they had hidden his face, but like. Saying that, like, that's cool. Like, oh, that's a cool idea. But, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's not like, it's not like saying that automatically means that what they did is bad. Like mm-hmm. when I would say, hey, this is how they could have improved the, the, the prologue of Secret Service. It's because I think the prologue sucks. It's because I think that for, with, with very obvious steps, they could have improved it. But like the prologue in, for this movie is awesome. Can it be improved? Yeah, anything can be improved. But but like but hiding his face doesn't automatically mean it would be better. I don't think it's objectively better though. And I, you're like telling me like, oh, Goldfinger's it's better than Goldfinger's because it has something to do with the plot. I'm like, sure, but also Goldfinger sets up the character of James Bond, who he is, how he acts, which we had already done things. for two films. Like 
in this you know, new, and for anybody who's going into the movie, you're like, okay, cool. Like he's James Bond. He uses his, he, you know, we understand he uses his cunning. Uh, he has gadgets at his disposal. Like, I don't think that you can just completely disregard that. And just because it's like, oh, but you see, you know, we see Scaramanga and his, in his fun house and how he kills these guys. And it's like, it's set up for the end of the movie. I'm like, cool, that's great. But to me, it's not like, oh, this, this is so much better than Goldfingers. I'm like, it's fine, but it's not great. It's a preference thing, sure. I, I, and I, I'm not, I'm not saying that Goldfinger's prologue is bad, but for that film, it's, it's irrelevant. Like, like the prologue is irrelevant to the story. If I'm quoting Charlie Myers here, though, it's like, what did you say? You said I'm always gonna go for the more serious Bond film. I'm always gonna go, and this one doesn't do that for me. It but just Goldfinger seems very is goofy. goofy. Goldfinger is not this movie that is goofy. serious. This movie is very goofy. They're, they're both made by the same guy, and it the guy matter. made Diamonds this Are one Forever. Is much more like, goofy. Sa- I, uh, save what you want to save much. for Sharon. <laughs> not, not, not by not that much. Flying cars, a, mid- a midget, a, a carnival oh, funhouse. Oh, oh, so all these little things? people, little people are goofy. You had some yeah, against they little people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's a goofy I, thing like, to be like, yeah, we're gonna put a midget in the movie. Cool. Yeah, but but or why? A person, whatever you want to say. Like, I don't... it's it's a goofy thing to have a Korean wrestler who throws a hat. I mean, who throws a hat? Really, honestly. man. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> honestly, like like it's like even though he finger... throws a hat, though, it's like he is still a adversary for Bond. Like he still fights Bond hand to hand versus sure. a guy who's just a little person who gets who, thrown into a who suitcase. Is con- like Knickknack is controlling a funhouse, trying to get him killed. It's a hunt. It is a hunt. Like, dude, like, had him and Scaramanga just gone punch for punch, it would have been boring. And then it's like, at Deus Ex Machina, there so happens to be a James Bond mannequin in yes. his thing, and then it's like, why does Scaramanga have a James Bond figurine in his house? Because he, dude, because he's he obsessed with, with being top dog. That's what the whole movie is about. It's about him having a man crush on Bond. And then, and then that even adds to the whole like plethora of what we talked about in Diamonds Are Forever, where it's like, is is James Bond a celebrity now? Do people know who James Bond dude, is? Dude, he's a fucking assassin. He would know who Bond is. People in Playboy knowing who he is is stupid. We agree that that's stupid. Scaramanga would absolutely know who Bond is because the whole movie is about reputation. The whole f***ing movie is about reputation, dude. He counts on his reputation to terrify his intended victim. Thank you, gentlemen. Obviously, it's about reputation, and everybody within that shadow world, they know about each other, especially having these, like, long careers. Bond knows about Scaramanga because he should. Scaramanga knows about Bond because he should. You and me walking down the f***ing street shouldn't know who these people are. So yes, he has a mannequin of, of Bond because he wants that top dog. I love Bond versus Scaramanga. I love that dynamic. I love how it's played throughout the film. I love Knickknack versus Scaramanga. I love that dynamic that he wants to kill him. He doesn't want to kill him. He's sad in the end when he kills him. Or it's because Bond blew up his entire inheritance. There's that too. It's, yeah. There's one yeah. of the two. <laughs> He but gets the junk. I, I, I still, you can still <laughs> tell there's a respect between the two. Good yeah. night. Yeah, she's a complete and utter dunce. But I think in this case of being a dunce, she furthers the movie. She furthers the plot by being a dunce. 
Now you two can argue, but okay, I, 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 mean, I don't Scott, think she's my problem with your point though is that you're literally just saying like she's a driving force of the plot. Great, but that doesn't add to. Do you think the movie's better or not because no, of that? No, that's it. why I don't think she adds or subtracts. That's what I'm saying. And about I'm Good saying night. she I subtracts she's because she's an annoyance. I will say though, well, I did takes me out of the movie, and I get annoyed, she, she and I'm like, I want to see forward. James Bond kick some ass and you know, sleep present. with women, but I don't need some. Why? This, I, why? I have, okay, I have noticed this this irony though. There's this really funny irony where, where again, objectively speaking, when it comes to Goodnight, she each instance of her supposedly fucking things up is bad luck. She doesn't mm-hmm. knowingly do anything. Like she happens, mm-hmm. she her job is to go pick up Bond. She pulls in to pick him up. And then it's like, oh, you blocked me. It's like she didn't do it on purpose. She's pulling in to pick him up. And, and you know, and, and then like we talked about, she recovers. But like every instance is is rotten luck. She's going to plant a bug. Scaramanga catches her in the act and he kidnaps her. That could have happened to Bond. Bond could have been planting that thing and Scaramanga threw him in the trunk. But anyway, the funny irony is this. Women, walkie-talkie. Bond's reaction to Goodnight every time is he just assumes that like, oh, Goodnight, you fuck up. You're such a fuck up. That's McCurdy. (laughs) McCurdy's reaction is exactly Bond's. Go back and watch those scenes and it's like she pulls in front of him and he's like, Goodnight, you bitch you know and she's like what i oh i know where it went it went over here and he's like yeah well whatever you suck and then and then later he's like oh women god women are so like because bond's a hardcore misogynist so he's just like everything that good knight does is awful and she's terrible now there we as the audience know better because we actually see her from a view that bond doesn't see bond doesn't see her get thrown into the trunk we see it but bond assumes she's just a a total fuck up and that's McCurdy. <laughs> McCurdy's like, oh, this dumbass bitch. I'm stepping back and saying from the point of view of somebody right, sitting down and writing this movie was like, this is a great character. I think the problem with this movie is it's the filmmaking and every so aspect of this movie is so goddamn silly that it just turns a lot of people off to meet you halfway. I do like the idea that like Scaramanga is uh, in a way like the the reverse James Bond. I just don't feel like the movie does enough for me to be like, that's what the movie is. But, but I, I will, I was going to say this, Charlie, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, good night. And I don't want to harp on good night as much as we keep going on and on about her. Yeah. Because I do think there's other points in this movie where I feel like yeah. the movie is just weak because of other things. But yeah. like sometimes certain characters are inherently just kind of obnoxious and annoying for audiences. Like for instance, people generally don't like precocious kids because they are yeah. also obnoxious and annoying. Yeah. Even though, like, on paper, you're like, oh, that sounds so interesting. A character that's, like, a complete idiot, but, like, somehow, you know, saves the day anyway. And it's like, that's great, but, like, I didn't come to this James Bond movie to be, you know, annoyed for, you know, whatever her screen time was. Like, 30 minutes in the movie yeah, with a character that's just like, oh, hi, Bond. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Oh, hey, I, I think I think we lifted off. Like, I didn't I didn't sit. For a Bond film to see this character. I'm like, no, yeah. I didn't I didn't come to the movie for this. You can give me other Bond girls. It has nothing to do with a Bond girl. Uh, it just has to do with the way they portray this character. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, and I think to, to respond to that, I think your track record so far has been you put a lot of stake in the Bond girl, whereas for me, the Bond girls 
boiled down to what they're really there for is they're just TNA for Bond to bang. And I could give a shit about their <laughs> level of competence or, you know, like, cause, cause her character is that she's inexperienced. That's her character. Like your, your, your personal preference would be that like, you know, everybody is competent. And you get annoyed when they're not, especially if they're attached to MI6 again, like she's, she's no double O, but she's like this inexperienced field agent. Like that's, that's her character. And that's how, that's how you just mm-hmm. kind of do things differently. Again, even when it comes to knickknack, it's like, okay, are we again just going to have the same old muscle or are we going to mix it up this time? And then by making him a midget, it's like Yoda. He, he like, he can't, he doesn't have that like physical, like he's not like odd job. He's this big guy. He's just going to beat the shit out of Bond. He's going to, he's going to do something different. <laughs> and that's what I find interesting. Like when, when the franchise finds a way to break from the norm, because had this movie just simply been the same old, same old, then that's when you just go, uh, but, it, but it's such a, it stands out to me because of these, these, these unique changes they make. And, and so like your personal preference is that you, you want to show up to a Bond movie and you want to have that badass chick who is a secret agent. You, you, and it's like, why, why did they hire in the first place? Like, and I understand all that. I just don't put as much weight on it as, as you do. That's where our personal preferences. And that's why we're doing this whole thing to weigh those but against each other. But I also want to say that it's not just that one thing it's just that's something in this particular movie that stands out very very much like i think if i'm judging these movies i'm looking at the plethora of the bond tropes right like how how well is this james bond performed uh or like what's what's james bond like in this movie what's the girl like in this movie or girls essentially what the bond girls like in this movie what are the gadgets in this movie how does this this Bond movie handle the goofiness versus the seriousness? What's the tone like? And this also movie has weird tonal shifts, too. Um, like, those are the kinds of things that I'm going to measure these movies on. And I feel like some of the other movies seem to be very much more consistent on tone and characters. This movie is just very all over the place, it feels like. And that's where I'm like, I get and I and I think a lot of people have said that, like, yeah, Scaramanga is a cool character, is a really great concept. I just don't think the movie does enough for him to be like, yeah, this is, you know, this is this, this beats or this like, you know, apologizes for everything else in this movie with, you know, whistle blood, you know, what was it? The, the whistle, um, from the the car chase or whatever, all that stuff. Like it doesn't excuse, it doesn't excuse that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you're like telling me that like, oh no, this movie's great because it's about him and Scaramanga and like all the stuff. But I'm like, there's a lot of, problems with this movie and i just i'm not like i'm not on board with it being number one that being said though if if it were my choice i'd probably put it in the bottom but i think somewhere in the middle i would be happy with i'm like yeah do you have a spot do you have a spot reserved i don't think it's the top three and you know my feelings on her on on secret service but i do think it's you know you know probably could be above thunderball maybe so five. And right? here is my thought as well. I, I agree with you two more on Goodnight than I would agree with Charlie's previous arguments. Um, I honestly believe that Scaramanga vs. Bond and Nick Knack vs. Scaramanga, that relationship between those three drives this movie higher. That relationship, I just love the, the whole dynamic of the whole movie. Um, Nick Knack vs. Scaramanga, and once again, that back and back, that I don't want him to die, but I want him to die, or do I? And then the end yeah. reaction. Um, and just the man vs. man of Bond vs. Scaramanga takes us higher. So I would say my position for this movie, outside of Goodnight, everything else. And I would also like to say that from your guys' previous arguments. If, if uh, Miss Anders could have been the Bond girl, like throughout this, if that was continued, that, that might have played out better. So that, that also brings this movie down. 
Yeah. Yeah. What if it was um, uh, Goodnight that died instead of Anders? Exactly. And I think that's what the you know like yeah. But I think any, and but, that's that's the thing. It's like but, any other Bond movie would have done that. But I would still put this movie at three or four. I thought that Scaramanga has sent the bullet to Bond slash MI6 as like a I'm coming for you sort of thing. Yep. But in rewatching this movie, it sounded like that's not that's what Miss Anders happened. Miss Anders. Oh, Miss Anders said think, that's right. Yep. She and sent it to have Bond save Sending her. it for help? Yeah, Something like, I wanted to ask you guys was that, like, is there any reason why they couldn't have just analyzed the bullet that was sent in the first place? Because it's a real bullet. <laughs> it's not like it's, like, if it was fake, they'd be like, oh, this yeah. is fake, and it's just an empty threat. But, like, so therefore yeah. it must be real. So she had to have stolen. So, okay, so, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The lie from the outset is that Scaramanga sent the bullet to just like, just like, I'm coming after you, Bond. And after having seen the prologue, we know that. We're like, oh, he's coming after Bond. He just shot the fingers off the mannequin. Revealed later is that she sent it because she That's wants right. to be rid of him, but she can't leave and she fantasizes about Bond saving her. So, and she's aware of Scaramanga's obs- weird obsession with Bond. Uh, she even says he has a likeness of you. She steals a bullet, which, like, that could have got her f***ing killed in the first place. So, you know, um, anyway, so, but, like, yeah, why, you even mentioned this before, Nance. Why couldn't they just analyze the bullet? You know, Bond, but the only thing Bond says is he's like, oh, because he's like, hey, look at that, it has my number on it. And then um, it's like, uh, uh, it'd be useless as a bullet. Well, yeah, because it has his number on it. But otherwise, it's fine. And then right after that scene, that's when he's like, I'm going to go to Beirut and find the bullet that killed Bill Fairbanks, a.k.a. 002, yeah. and then he has that bullet analyzed. So, like, yeah, okay, right? Like, nobody can think of any reason why they couldn't have just analyzed the first bullet other than the fact that, like, Bond was put on leave, but that shouldn't matter anyway. It's just like, hey, Q, can you take a look at this real quick? The clear plot to me would have been had other double O agents been killed and that was the intro. And we saw the end of the golden gun killing those other agents. And then it was like, Oh, well bond you're next. But the last movie kills a bunch of double O agents in the beginning of the movie. And then he goes to investigate. And I'm like sitting there thinking as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, you know, that, that would have gotten me into the movie even more so than, you know, Carnival Funhouse and all this other stuff. But again, here's the problem with that. It's not just that Scaramanga just wants to kill a bunch of British agents just to do it. I mean, the guy makes a million dollars a contract by just killing people that other people hire him to kill. He doesn't have some personal vendetta against Britain or against MI6 and all these double O's. He wants Bond because Bond's the best. If Bond happened to be a Russian, he would still want to go after Russian Bond. It has nothing to do with double O's, any other agency. It only has to do with these two guys' reputations. Oh, f***ing movie's about reputation. This is also goes brings me to the scene where I think a lot of people have problems with this movie. And I know, Charlie, you and Nans kind of were like, but his life was threatened in the scene. And I'm like, it just feels very out of character for Bond to be as aggressive as he is towards uh, Maude Adams' character. And Why? Bond or Roger Bond, Moore? Bond, Bond is constantly slapping I would women. Say, uh, like, constantly beating the shit out of Bond women. If you watch the sure. scene, though, it's like he is... I mean, like, slapping a woman once in the scene and minting the point across, like, 
I get it, but like he's just keeps going and going, Dude, and I'm like, she had a gun on him. She wasn't. You act like he just takes his pants off, and she's gonna just <laughs> drop the gun and suck his. <laughs> I mean, it's Bond. He should be able to, but, you know, but, charm but the shit out of her. Also yeah. But she's also the other guy. She's with the other guy. If oh, living, forget about Scaramanga. I'm gonna suck your. Charlie, Charlie. If we're living in this world where Scaramanga knows what Bond looks like and has a mannequin made of of James Bond, like she should know that this is James Bond, right? Like, why why would you pull on the gun on the person that you if are she, purposely trying? Like your message. Bullet, yeah, she sent the wouldn't bullet. Wouldn't she be like, then, oh yes, exactly? And then she would have been like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm the one who sent you the bullet. And he's like, wait, what? Like, there's not that scene. Instead, we get this scene where she pulls a gun on him. And it's like, you. I think the last time you were saying, well, it's like, well, she didn't know she was in danger. I'm like, she knew because she sent the bullet. And like that kind of trips up the plot and the script of the movie a little bit where I'm like, wouldn't it make more sense if she said, hey, look, oh, good, I'm going to help you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and, and I've thought of that. Please believe me, I'm risking my life to come here. I think the answer with that, though, is that she is terrified. I mean, this this woman has been terrified this whole time and she's. I don't think she's just going to jump into Bond's arms until she's kind of like I don't, figured I don't out think the so situation. Either, but pulling a gun on James Bond doesn't really make sense either. Yeah. Well, well Bond surprises her in the shower. Like what what she's going to be like, "Oh yeah, come on in here." Oh, Bond, you got my bullet. Come in here. Like played, she she slowly that scene been played completely different, but it doesn't <laughs> make sense point. why she still pulls a gun on him. Like it's it just doesn't make sense. I want, why would she request Bond specifically? The bullet maybe should have just said MI6 on it, and then that shower scene would make a little more but, sense. But Charlie did make a point, though, that it's because He's she well knows known. that Scaramanga has a fascination with, with Bond. And I'm like, okay, I get that. That's fine. Great. Yeah. But it's like, that mm. being said, if she requested Bond, if she knows what Bond looks like because there's a damn mannequin in his funhouse... <laughs> So she knows what Bond looks like. Yeah. And I think she's she afraid, though, dude, stuff, you cannot yeah, discount no. the fear that she is under. Like she I she, am not discounting and, and her fear, fear but is the not unjustified because with... inevitably he does kill her. Mistress cannot serve two masters. A difficult shot, but most gratifying. She's afraid. But why would she be afraid of the person that she said a woman to, being surprised as she's naked in the shower is not just going to be like, hey, come on in. She's afraid. She pulls a gun on him and Bond is Bond is being all playful, but she's like it would be a little ridiculous if she just jumped into his arms as opposed to checking out the situation. I'm not saying that she should jump to his arms, but the fact that she has the gun on him and then realizes it's James Bond, you're like, "Oh, you're here." Like He's still Wouldn't Bond, that make more though. Sense? He's still like, Bond. I don't know why on, she keeps on, the gun on hand, her when yes. she knows it's James Bond. On you know? one hand, logically, yes, but you're discounting the character who is under a constant state of fear. You are a, a constant because state she, of fear. And then she's hey, got Bond, the person that she sent. Bullet? Can I suck your dick now? <laughs> hey, I gotta I get these bullets over to Scaramanga. <laughs> no. She's fucking <laughs> terrified and then justifiably so because he blows her away with no regard. Like Scaramanga's like, ah, eh, she's replaceable. And like I have no issue with she knows being that. rough with her, yeah. but on I guess in another taking looking at that whole scene in a different light, like we are, he could have been like, 
whoa, 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 like, hey, I'm Bond, like, you, you he asked didn't know. for me to come help. He didn't know. <laughs> he didn't know that. At that point, he didn't know that. Order of events, okay? He gets the bullet. He assumes it's Scaramanga. He goes looking for Scaramanga. Mm. On the trail of Scaramanga, uh. he finds Miss Anders. He surprises her by breaking into her hotel room while she's in yep. the shower. She looks at him like, holy sh**. She's got him at gunpoint. She, they walk out in the living room. She's still got him at gunpoint. She phones the police. She hangs up because Bond is fondling the bullets. He smacks the gun Bond out. then smacks the gun out of her hand yep. and gets the information out of her about mm -hmm. Scaramanga. Then we have uh, a couple of scenes. And then when he's trying to bang Goodnight, that's when... Um, uh, I'm so distracted by McCurdy right now. God damn it. Uh, that's, that's when Miss Anders comes in and reveals to him like, hey, it was me that sent the bullet. I need you to kill Scaramanga, aka my lover, and I'll get you the Solex. That's when she unloads all of that. And I, and I every time that's, I watch it, I'm like, I can believe that flow that she doesn't just, because she's, no. she doesn't like, and I'm sorry, sense. men and women aren't the same. This is what, this is what chicks do. I need to make sure that the ground is solid before I step off the last one. Like she's not going to like let go of the previous branch until she knows that this branch is steady. Cause as of now, she's protected under Scaramanga. She is literally the safest person on the planet because she has the top assassin who would like kill anybody that would fuck with her, but she wants to get away from him. So she needs to make sure that bond can take him out before she makes that leap. Yeah. And look what happens when she does make that leap. She gets fucking killed. So it makes sense that she would be terrified to just jump yeah. into bonds arms. And then suddenly, I mean, Scaramanga would then just like hunt her down. It's a monster. I hate him. Then leave him. You don't walk out on Scaramanga. There's no place you wouldn't find me. You need a good lawyer. I need 007. Scaramanga is the most dangerous man on the planet. So she needs Bond to, to take him out. I mean, it, it, it all adds up for me if you look at the character as opposed to what you would do. Yeah, that makes sense. My other thing, too, so um, I never got the same impression you guys got with the dynamic of Knick-Knack and Scaramanga. I never thought knickknack actually wanted scaramanga to die i feel like it's like a they're like playfully kind of alluding to that it's like father and son it's like can't wait for you to die dad because i'm gonna get all <laughs> your shit you know like it's weird if you kill him all this be mine he could just kill him in his sleep if he actually wanted him to die so he could inherit that stuff but he doesn't because they're close like, they have a close relationship. They literally live on this island, just the two of them. Like, every night he could be trying to kill Scaramanga, but he, he doesn't. Like, and, and, and in fact, he tries to avenge him at the end. Yeah, I enjoy it, but I never thought Nick Neck actually wanted Scaramanga to die. And I know Scott's yeah. saying he, I think Scott's saying he did think that and felt that that dynamic no. pushed the film no. higher in the list. You could interpret it either way. That's that. It's. I mean, it's, that's no, how no. What I'm saying is that is what they play at in the beginning. By he's inviting assassins to the island, continuing. Yeah. Like, please, kill him. I assume I Scaramanga tells Nick Neck to do that, though. Yeah. Well, th th and that's their yeah, relationship. But Scaramanga. Scaramanga's like part of your job is to like, like. Scaramanga gets off on killing people, but he's bored because he's challenge. killed everybody. 
He is, it's literally the most dangerous game. It's this guy who is bored because he's killed every, nobody can kill him. So he's like, so Knickknack is actively bringing top assassins to the island to participate in this freaky deaky game between the two of them. I told you. It's a very unique relationship between these mm-hmm. two and and it's a playful that's, back and forth. that's where it's like I, I don't think it's just like oh it's a midget for the sake of a midget i think it's a fun turn from all of the henchmen yeah. we've had before where it's again like yoda he doesn't have physical strength but he runs the whole show it's not just like a midget for the sake of being a midget it's 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 a little deeper than that and then you have his relationship with scaramang on top of that and that's what's interesting but okay overall when it comes to the ranking scott said three or four realistically i'll that's fine by me i'm not i'm not just gonna push for number one because i think it's so um i i i would i i would be more than happy to to drop it down out of number one so that so that this channel may maintain some credibility because people would just fucking murder us because of me but all the same I do think I do think it's worthy of finally breaking our uh, Connery triad of Dr. No from Russia with Love uh, uh, Goldfinger. I think it would sit pretty at three with the scope of this movie, even with its shortcomings. I can see it surpassing Dr. No like Dr. No. Every time we're like, ah, it's just so perfect. And it's, you know, and it's like it didn't aim that high. So therefore, it like had the room to just be like relatively perfect in terms of like what it was going for and to be that excellent prototype. But like this movie breaks past it with with even even just on like the Scaramanga relationship alone. And yes, it has some Hamiltonian goofy stuff in there, like all of his movies do. But um, for me, this movie cracks past dr nose being being small this the, mm. the scope surpasses dr no for me i i disagree i i i would i would put it at four i think it does come down to what char was kind of saying with waiting where he might not put much or any weight on the bond girl where occurred to you might put more than he would in different aspects of all these different james bond tropes so i for for myself, I do find the Bond Scaramanga dichotomy like the most interesting of all the movies we've seen so far. But Good Night does bother me too. So to me, this I, movie kind of has always felt like Scaramanga and Bond are cool, and then the rest of the movie is shit. like that's that's how the movie feels to me, and that's why I'm like I don't put it I don't rank it as high as you guys because I'm like it's got a really cool it's like it's kind of like the opposite of Thunderball right because Thunderball we were like. There's got a like really great cinematography. It's got this kind of somewhat really good mm-hmm. relationship with Domino, but Largo sucks like a lot. Yeah. And you got other things that are really good about the movie, but like the villain sucks. And then this yeah. movie to me is the other is the opposite. The villain's really great. Villain's really great. The performance is really great. And sometimes I'm thinking like, I think you guys just really like Christopher Lee. But to me, I'm like, the rest of the movie <laughs> no doubt. is is kind of atrocious. And I'm like, that's that's how I'm seeing it. And I'm like, I just don't think it's three. I I will live with four. 
Like, I will live with the film that I'm like, no, this one's like one of the best films that they've ever made. I'll live with it above that movie. Okay, so like, at this point, we are, no. we're, we're really, Do we we're really to trying to figure votes? out, like, like, okay, like <laughs> our Untouchable 2, Goldfinger and From Russia With Love. Like, those, it's like, it's those continue to be our, those our are dudes. I'm good at three also, myself. Sounds like maybe, Scott, you're one down. McCurdy's a couple more down. Again, no, no, no. I, again, I, I am three or four, but... Didn't we not talk about, like, a long time ago, it was like, what makes a good movie versus what makes a good James Bond movie? And to me, this movie is not yeah. a James Bond movie. In, in the plethora of all the other films, it just really doesn't add up to a James Bond movie for me. But again, but what is a James Bond movie? He has to drive around in an Aston Martin. I mean, that's I never where said I differ. He had to drive in an Aston Martin, that, but, that's, like, that's where just I differ. The, like, I, Aston Martin, gadgets, better gadgets, better and girls, like, and, and, better and, girls. And, and, and as we talked about, there is no like we don't have a definitive like requirement. Like we never we never once said like the rules are it has to it has to be more Bond than not. We just said that like yeah. that's kind of what. That was what our discussion for from Rush with Love versus Goldfinger came down to was like, well, what's what's better to be like, you know, because you guys would be like, oh, but it's so Bond. And it's like, what does that mean? Well, it means like it means he's like driving in a cool car and he just got the bay. You know, it, it, with it's Dr. No. They had a, a movie with a budget of a million dollars. They made yep. a really smart spy thriller. Yeah. With some decent action, a great character. Some stuff that we're like, oh, yeah, this is actually this is this like you guys who never seen Dr. No, we were actually kind of into. And we're like, oh, this is actually a pretty cool movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know about this. Yeah. There's a movie that's like gag after gag after gag and, a, and, you know, bad sound effects. And it's like you were trying. You were trying and you made a silly Once movie again. versus you made a good spy movie for a million dollars. I don't see gag Once after again, gag I'm not after talking, gag. I'm, I'm not talking exterior gags. I'm talking Bond. Bond, Roger Moore brought a very serious Bond. Slapping bitches, punching bitches, getting ready to shoot Asian guys in the dick. McCurdy says four, Nathan says three, I say three. Get f***ed. What do you say, Scott? Suck my Because you can't go three and a half. <laughs> McCurdy, That's what I say, Charlie. <laughs> Here we waited three weeks to get Scott in, and he comes in with this movie is unique. Like, if you just like, like again, objectively speaking, this is a this is unique amongst all that we have so far. Yes, it's it's and and again, the reason I lay out that it's unique is because Bond is immediately let go of from MI6 to handle some personal business. That personal business is that he's been threatened by the top assassin on the planet. the 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 story itself comes down to your reputation. Versus mine. Bond's reputation as set up by all these adventures we've seen him go on so far, they come to a head where now it's like the Avengers, where it's like strength invites challenge, right? When when um when they're like, why are all these bad guys popping up? It's like, well, because the Avengers rose up. So that strength invites challenge. Bond is like number one dude. And and somebody inevitably pops up and is like, I want to be number one, dude. So I'm going to kill that motherfucker and I'm going to take the, the, I'm going to become world champion. This movie isn't just Scaramanga's on an island and he's going to use the Solex to blow up uh, all of China or whatever. And Bond's got to go in there and, and save it. That stuff can be fun. But at this point, we've had 
movie after movie after movie of that. Now, suddenly, it's personal. It is a personal story for Bond. And not, not the personal in the sense that he's going to go get married and fall in love and all that shit. It's personal so far as Bond's reputation within the shadow world of spies and assassins versus another guy's reputation within the shadow world of spies and assassins and how those two champions are going to meet and go head-to-head, mano-a-mano. That's what the movie means to me. That's where I put it above Dr. No, but below Goldfinger and From Russia With Love. Goofy aside. I'll be, I'll, I, I was the first to be like, yeah, it's got some missteps and some goofy shit, but that unique quality is what stands out to me. Plus, yes, Chris Lee is awesome. Scaramanga is a lot of fun. I wish there was a ton more Scaramanga, but like too much would maybe not be a good thing, right? Like, it, because that would kill his like, the, that paranoia that he kind of creates in the beginning where it's like he could be anywhere and then he pops up out of nowhere to... Do you think he's going to shoot Bond above the bottoms up or whatever? Um, that's, that's what does it for me. I mean, I, I, I've said this whole time that like usually the bad guy is going to drive my decisions. And I think this bad guy is wonderfully unique. And then I just have a boner for the golden gun. I mean, who wouldn't? It's like the coolest <laughs> thing ever, you know, and he just pulls it up out of nowhere, you know? So that's what does it for me. And then Dr. No is like a good prototype, but like, now we're reaching more modern Bond movies that might begin to surpass it, you know, in the same sense that like take any other franchise and it's like over time people cling to the old stuff. Like, no, 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 only the old stuff is good and the new stuff is garbage. It's like, well, after a while they, they make, uh, they just make better movies. It's like comparing like old Batman to new and some yeah. people, Oh no, 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 no. Nineties Batman is for me. It's, well, it's, it's for like, me. it's like you have you know? a, you have a point where at some point, as far as what is acceptable for an audience, what can an audience take starts yeah. to change. I mean, there's a lot more to that discussion just besides, you know, the equipment got better, but it was also things that you could, couldn't do in the, in the sixties, what yeah. you could show, what you could see became much more accessible yeah. with rating systems and other things that they were able to get away with things like making a much darker bond, which we'll see yeah. down the road. And then but the like, reverse of that is star Wars where it's like, well, now we have the technology to do what we couldn't before, but then, yeah, exactly. but then the story suffers because the focus is on technology. Yeah. So it cuts yeah. both ways. So, okay, Scott, where you land? Cause I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Sounded like he was saying three. I, I, I would hate yeah. for it to come no, down to a vote, can. but like, so. I, I, well, it, as it stands, I'm at three, Nancy's at three, McCurdy's at four. So you either, you either tie this and we go on and McCurdy loses sleep. Nance, why three? Um, I hate to just say I agree with everything you said about Dr. No, but it really is like, like you said, it's like Dr. No is a solid prototype, but you know, it's the, it's the first one and it's, you know, James Bond has evolved since that first movie and incorporated other tropes or different, you know, we don't want to use the certain words (laughs) to explain James Bond, but um, it, it really, you know, went to another level and dr no is just like not 
not quite there, but still a really solid movie. Um, From Russia with Love on the other bookend, I suppose, is just another sort of different class, much more serious film that that we all enjoy. So I think it, I think um, The Man with the Golden Gun fits fairly well between those two films. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, you guys are fucking nuts. You are so fucking far nuts. Like, I'm like, Charlie, I I want you to go out of the street and tell people this opinion and have like a, you know, a little table that says change my mind, because that's how nuts you are. That's how that's how insane I think you are. Like, (laughs) like, I just I'm like, none of the movies are perfect. Um, They all have their flaws and they all have their strong suits. Mm -hmm. I remember for the Goldfinger episode. While I agreed that it was near the top, I didn't love that um, that Bond was like in captivity for a good portion of it. Um, I mean, there, I could nitpick any of these movies, but um, so in in the nitpicks, I certainly agree with McCurdy. Like, um, Good Night's not great, Hips not great, the slide whistle is horrible. Uh, J.W. Pepper, I know McCurdy. That's actually one that you kind of like, but. If you fix all these nitpicks about uh, within Man with the Golden Gun, I could see it being near the top because the core of it, the Scaramanga versus Bond, I think is the the best of all the movies. That's what it comes down to for me. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm so willing to forgive stuff because of that. That's what we're arguing. You either prefer Scaramanga versus Bond and relation to those two and that simple dynamic of man versus man you know only one can survive or we prefer the simple perfection of dr no well and and that and that's what i'm saying that's what separates the two if we're gonna find any yeah those are those are hard to put on an on like to put to put it on an even keel would be like well, okay, the relationship of Bond versus Scaramanga or or Bond versus Dr. No. I mean, if if you line those up, undoubtedly it's Scaramanga. Yeah. Like undoubtedly. Yeah. Um Dr. No is is just um again, it's it is it it didn't reach that far and 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 that's that's what it comes down to for me is that the the relationship between Bond and Scaramanga pushes it above the simplicity, the simple perfection of Dr. No. I, I, and I, I, I completely agree with McCurdy that there are all these little things that like, I mean, Bond doesn't have to be serious all the time. I prefer, I prefer, I mean, you, you, you dangle Daniel Craig in front of me and I'm going to go, that's what I want. That's what I want. But back in the day, yeah. they made movies differently. This movie as, as, a, as a self-contained movie without comparing it to anything to come there they have these little fun moments that I like. I, I legitimately laugh when Bond says, I sure am, boy. <laughs> You're not thinking that. I sure am, boy. And like, should yeah. Bond <laughs> yeah, be saying that? that? Well, sad. I don't know. It makes sense in the moment no. and it legitimately makes me laugh. Bond had a lot of brilliant quips in this movie. I know he has a date at the Bottoms Up Club tonight. How will I recognize it? He's not like other people. He has three. Fascinating anatomical tidbit, but probably the most useless piece of information I ever heard. Unless, of course, the bottoms up is a strip club and Scaramanga is performing there. 
Bond is clever in this movie, whereas in, in Live and Let Die, Bond is just speaking in these awkward and vague puns that aren't that are grown worthy. Whereas in this, he's a little wittier, and and I just appreciate that he's a an asshole to everybody he comes across. Like I I think he that's where I feel him as being Bond. But then he then he has funny goofy stuff like I sure am boy. But I it doesn't it's all part of a package. Now again. If somebody could jump into the past and put uh, Casino Royale in the projector, I think everybody would be like, what the f*** is this? But like, we're, we're in a t- we, we're, we are in that time, as we've talked about time and again, where it's like they, they are putting in all these things that are going to they're going to try to please an audience and bring in an audience into a franchise that that may have been dying at the time. So it's like. Let's put our Bruce Lee moment in there. You know, let's put in our, our, our like, our, let's add in all these elements that will make it um, a little more universal rather than specific. Like some people might watch Casino Royale and be like, ah, I don't like, it's so dark and depressing. I don't like it. And then they watch Roger Moore and they're like, I mean, there, there, there are plenty of people who, who prefer Roger Moore movies. It's a cup of tea argument, right? What we're trying to do is determine whether or not this particular movie managed to transcend the first movie ever made that was held back by by being the first movie ever made. This movie has a lot of goofy stuff. It's it's chock sure. full of goofy. Sure. Mm-hmm. Doctor No doesn't have as much goofiness into it. It tries to play it straight throughout the entire movie. Yeah, you have the three blind mice gag in the beginning of the film, but like I'm willing to buy it because it's at least a clever way of, you know, you're having three assassins kill a guy in the beginning of the movie. And yeah, there's the tank or whatever, the dragon. And I know Charlie's going to harp on it like, yeah, it has that goofy stuff, but it has this really good relationship with Scaramanga. I feel like you're waiting that so much more that it's like, that's what makes the movie so great. And I'm like, I don't think it makes the movie amazingly great. I really don't. And also, uh, to be if I'm and be perfectly honest, I don't think all of that is there. I think you're kind of seeing things that aren't quite there to an extent where I'm like, give me more. Give me more. And then maybe I, I would I would 100% agree with you. But like, it's kind of maybe subtly hinted at. And uh, and that's where I'm like, I think Dr. No is still a better movie. Uh I mean, we, we've argued this a thousand times. It's, it's perfect and so it's simplicity. Sorry, Scaramanga was from the beginning. Dr. No had almost no involvement besides a name that entire movie besides 10 f-ing minutes. Okay, you're arguing apples He's and oranges up. there, bud. You're, at, you're arguing the... Dr. No had 10 minutes at an end of a movie. And sure, there was dynamic the there whole over movie dinner. Is Bond discovering what is going on in Jamaica. Yeah. It doesn't matter if Scaramanga is not in, or if Dr. No is not in the whole movie. Yeah. He correct. has to figure out who Dr. No is. But I, I, I kind of personally, Scaramanga, personally, on the other hand, it doesn't matter. Like that does not matter to me. That, I mean, that McCurdy, is a, McCurdy, granted though, you have said numerous times that you prefer a more active bad guy. We've reached a point where it's going to come down to personal yeah. preference. Like it's just going to be, yeah. It, do you do you have an overall feeling of three or four? And for for me, it's three. For Nans, it's three. For McCurdy, it's four. You're saying it's, three. It's and if I was being completely honest with myself, it'd be less than three. Like, but I'm I'm at this point now where it's like everyone's arguing it's going to be this, and I'm like, fine, let's just make it that because I I can't keep going on and living this life where 
you know, we're, we're trying to figure out where this movie lies. And I'm like sitting here, I'm like, you guys are all <laughs> effing nuts. And I have to be on a podcast with you where I explain the Bond movies. I just can't do it. Podcast. Okay. Okay. Can we just. It's a lie. Scott, can you. Honestly, all right, fine. It's if three. you want to live it's with three. guys, if you okay, want to live with all the comments, you because can. no, McCurdy, hold on. It's three <laughs> purely because Scaramanga is a better bad guy than Doctor No. He has more hands. That's it. He's got. <laughs> he does more guns. He does have better guns. More nipples. More nipples. He has more nipples. guns. <laughs> He's got more nipples no, than anybody. And no, he we is. It's the from nipples. beginning to end. I love the dynamic of a bad guy versus a good guy. I love, and that is Scott. I really love movies movie. with bad guys with three nipples. It's the They're, best are, thing in the world. They are, again, again. Yeah. They are. They no, are equal opposites I'm, for three nipples. That's what's. That's McCurdy. what's fun about these guys. An extra fucking nipple to lick. <laughs> These guys are Batman and Joker. These guys are equal but opposites. Bond could have just as easily turned into Scaramanga. Scaramanga could easily have been taken in by MI6. Again, Scaramanga is obsessed with money, where Bond is obsessed with country and, and loyal to country. And that, that's, that interplay is what does it for me. That's where I, I, I think this, in this movie is just, again, objectively unique within the collection of Bond movies. It's just, it's unique. Yeah. and. Yeah, it makes some some missteps, but I overlook them uh, because of that uniqueness and Scaramanga himself. This movie isn't one that I'm like, oh, I love this movie. It's my favorite. It's towards the bottom of the list. It's sure. not just me, Charlie. It's a lot of people. A I lot know, of I people don't, don't, I don't give a f- f- about I don't care what anybody listen, outside listen, of this not, podcast cares. I'm not going to yell anymore. About. I do not care if you don't see that. But the yeah. truth of the matter is, there are. I'm not the only one. You can I, convince dude, these guys, you are but part I'm of not a convinced. crowd that but loves no, no, Secret no, Service. No, you can convince no, these guys, no, but I'm not convinced. No, as, as as one of the outside guys, I've heard that both your beloved of Her Majesty's Secret Service and this movie both have alternate fucking freaky yeah. fans that it's, love it or it's hate weird. it. It's weird. Polarizing. So That's, suck my. I'm not going to do that. I like I'm this not going to do that. But what I am going to do, and I backed you in the last. What I am one. going to do is I'm just going to say, so what's don't in tell this. me, Charlie, convince let's, me. Let's put a smile on our face. I like this movie. That's great. I we like them too. It, I like all guys. the movies. We came we to it. a conclusion. Oh we my ended this God. thing. I'm done. Okay, but, that's that. That's the best part about okay, this. Okay, Scott, is, that's great. McCurdy, to your point, outside of the four of us. There's going to be people who think we're nuts. That's what groupthink is. That's where everybody thinks that Citizen Kane is the greatest movie ever made. And yeah, it's great, but like it's been surpassed. Sorry. <gasps> oh, it's been it's been fucking surpassed at this point. So Avatar. Yeah, like even Avatar <laughs> might be better. <laughs> Avatar. No, 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 no. Anyway, but Avatar too. regardless, though, regardless, we came to our conclusion. We're putting it at number three. Goldfinger at number one. Goldeneye. From Russia with From Love, Russia. number two. The Man with the Golden Gun, number three. Dr. No at number four. Honor Majesty's Secret Service, number five. Number six, Thunderball. Number seven, Live and Let Die. Number eight, Diamonds Are Forever. Number nine, You Only Live Twice. There we go. Any of you that disagree with Man with the Golden Gun, you think it sucks, go ahead and suck McCurdy's 
in the comments and and <laughs> oh, you know what? Oh, don't do McCurdy, that. McCurdy, set don't up a that. Patreon. Don't set do up that. a Patreon. <laughs> don't do that. Send don't money that. that's going to no, no, go no. to McCurdy do if you love the don't man with that. the golden or if you mm-hmm. hate the man with the golden gun. Anyway, don't do that. You have some class. Have some class like some of these other movies on Oh, no, dude, get paid while you can, McCurdy. Get paid while you can. You've got guys who love Honor Majesty's Secret Service and they hate Golden Gun. Get paid and then you can buy a Golden <laughs> Gun. Uh, t-shirts. Our Russian anyway. friend will right, surely I'm agree. I'm going to end this. I am going to end this because I know you love this movie so much. I want to end this. Let me you end it. You got it, though? You got it? You I know got what? it. Okay, go. I know how this is going to end. Yes. We had one very great actor in this film. One of the most best actors of all time. We are the best. I'm George Bush in it real hard right now. Most best for show. Mm. Mo best for show. Mm. He was mm. also so happened to be <laughs> Ian Fleming's step cousin, which we had talked about way back at Dr. No. Yep. I'm talking about, mm-hmm. and I believe, am I, if I'm not correct, Sir Christopher Lee. Yeah. Is that correct? Dracula, Count Dooku, Saruman, you name yep. him. He's always played a great villain. He is fantastic yeah. in this movie. I, I do not deny that about this about him yeah. in this movie. That's where we can Wicker all Man, agree. We all agree with this. I'm not yeah. I'm not in disagreement here. And I'm so and, here, and beyond. Like everybody on the planet could can agree that he is a Scaramanga, Christopher Lee. Is a very good and so much so that one of my favorite Bond video games, he plays one of the titular titch say the titular. 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 Mission accomplished. Titular. Mission accomplished. <laughs> titular. He plays a major role in uh, one of my favorite Bond games being Goldeneye Rogue Agent, right? Yeah. Here is Rogue Agent. my empty glass, yeah, unfortunately, because... Well, you got have, droplets I didn't, in there. I, didn't, I, didn't, I drank everything. You had to drink to deal with it. I, I had to I drink fresh Guinness. He's dried to, up. Uh, Sir Christopher Lee, who had recently passed, if I'm not mistaken. Well, like very, yes. five, very five years ago, sadly. five, six years ago. It feels, it feels like yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to Christopher yeah. Lee. To Christopher Chris Lee. To us. Good night, good night. Sleep well, my dear. No need to fear. James Bond is here.